0: With this transcontinental, what I really learned is we're really much stronger than we think we are. When you're put in an uncomfortable situation, you'll find a way out if you have no option. So you, my mentality is get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And this is what really taught me. It really reinforced that we are not limited. We have a limit right now within ourselves, but we can reach that breakthrough and find the next limit. So I feel like I found my limit doing this and I broke through it because there was time where I thought it was impossible. I even thought hundred days was not even enough for me. And then now I broke through that limit and now it makes me think that I can do other things. So if anyone who's struggling with anything right now, just stick to it, because eventually there'll be a turning point. You just have to fight through, fight the day. And there's been many days where I'm just like, survive today. I don't care about tomorrow, what happened yesterday, just survive today. So it comes down to that. If you feel like you're stuck in a bubble, that's telling you everything already. If you believe in God or the universe, if you feel like you're stuck, that's the sign for you to make that move. And it may be scary. And when I did that, I was very scared because I'm thinking that training is not guaranteed, but the nine to five was guaranteed a weekly money that I was getting. But if you take the leap of faith, that's when you discover other things. And then when you know, again, when you get put in an uncomfortable situation, you'll find a way out. It might be brutal or whatever, you'll find that next thing that's going to help you sustain the life that you want to live. So just take a leap of faith. I think that's what it is. We're afraid to fail, be okay to fail because it's not even failing. It's just a part of just progressing and learning. So I don't even see failure as failure anymore. It's just that, oh, now I know what to do better. I know what not to do. What's up my beautiful people. My name is Hela Sidive and this is The Rich Roll Podcast. Let's get it, let's go.
1: Roll podcast. Hey everybody! Happy Monday! And for those here in the USA, hope you had a fantastic Fourth of July weekend. And in the spirit of said holiday, what better way to celebrate than with today's guest, a young man born in the country of Mali who immigrated from West Africa to the states when he was just a teen, ends up becoming this professional soccer player and now a U.S. citizen and Recently, the first black person to ever run 3,000 miles across America, a truly extraordinary feat, eclipsed perhaps only by his incredibly inspirational, positive vibe and another noteworthy accomplishment, a four plus year run streak. In other words, this guy has run every single day without missing one single day for over 1,500 days in a row. His name is Hela Sidibe. He's here today and certain to put a smile on your face because like I said, Hella is positivity incarnate. It's coming up in a few, but first. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted That's gobrewing.com and use the code richroll for 15% off your first purchase. Okay, Hella Bay. So I first came across this guy's story when my friend and friend of the pod, Robbie Ballinger, was sharing on Instagram as he dropped in on Hella's transcontinental run when he was going through the Navajo Nation. And I just remember being immediately captivated by Hella's energy. I didn't know who he was at the time, but I immediately started following his journey through the conclusion of his run in New York City, which was completed just a couple of weeks ago and immediately got to work trying to book him here as soon as I could. So here we are. We talk running, of course, but this is about so much more. It's about reimagining your own personal potential it's about chasing dreams, taking risks, putting yourself out there, and of course, accomplishing outlandish goals. But it's really about mindset. It's about living with intention and the beauty of sharing the journey towards self-actualization in real time. You can find Hella on YouTube at Hella Good, H-E-L-L-A-H. He's also on Instagram and Twitter at Hella Good 9. And he's right here right now. So let us delay no longer. This is me and the high spirited and ebullient Hella Sidibe.
0: I can't believe you're here, man. I can't believe I'm here. I can't stop smiling. My cheeks is really, it's, its starting to hurt now. You're smiling all,
1: all the time
0: anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh-huh. it's uh, it's an absolute delight to meet you. Thank
1: you for coming out to do this. I'm so excited to talk to you. It's Thank you a, for a having me. It's to meet you. Congratulations
0: Thank on, you. on the run and everything. Yes. Super exciting, man. I'm I'm grateful to be here and in in your presence as well. So, thank you so much. Did you uh did you get your run in today already? Of course. How many days now? Um today is day 1500 consecutive days oh. actually. Yeah. Today's 1500. 1500. Yeah, 1500. Wow. Yes. Yeah, no matter the circumstances, I got to get out there. Another reason get done. to celebrate. Another, yes.
1: another milestone Exactly. 1500. Yeah. That's uh-huh. unbelievable, man. Thank you. So, uh so many things to talk about, of course, we're going to get into the transcontinental run and all of that um, just by by way of background, I first became aware of you uh, because of our mutual friend robbie right Bellinger. i didn't i didn't know anything <laughs> about you and when he dropped in on your run, I think you guys were going through the Navajo nation. Yeah, we were in a,
0: he surprised me in Gaiman, New Mexico or in the morning. Right. Yeah, we were in New Mexico. He just showed and up no, out he of he the showed up. Didn't know. I had no idea. Yeah. I was like, wait, is this, am I going crazy? Cause I, I got out of the RV and I'm like, wait, it's Robbie. <laughs> it was the best surprise. It uh-huh. was awesome to see him. How many days did he run with you? He was there? with me for that weekend, Saturday mm. and Sunday. So he did all Saturday, mm. all Sunday and left that night on Sunday when I finished right. the, the day, Sunday.
1: So that was my first experience. Exposure to what you were doing. And yeah. I was like, who is this guy?
0: Like, <laughs>
1: how is he so positive? This guy's smiling <laughs> Thank through you. all this suffering. I was like, I need to know more. I started following you and I was like, all in on this adventure and, uh, and this journey. And then when you were completing the run uh, that final day, yeah, I tuned into Robbie's Instagram. And, you know, everybody's congregated outside your yeah. house in New Jersey. Uh-huh, that was cool. And I'm like, oh, this is gonna be awesome. And then I was like, wait a minute, is that Casey? Yeah, Casey showed up. I was, I, when I went out of the house, I was like, whoa. I, know, surprised I, I thought too. Casey was in LA. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. Well, I knew he was on the East coast. Yeah. I actually had texted him earlier that day about getting introduced to his brother because uh-huh. I wanted to meet his brother. Yeah, I got I just to see, yeah, on which the is podcast. cool. I just saw that. Um, so we were going back and forth on that. And he said something like, I'm driving on the freeway right now, but I'll, I'll get back to you. And then suddenly I see him in front of your house. I texted yeah. him again. I was like, wait, you know, how, <laughs>
0: like,
1: all these worlds are converging. Like, I didn't know that ins- you guys knew it's each ins-
0: other. It's insane. But I guess um, you had done some stuff at 368. Yeah, so Casey um, had um, his people reach out to me. I was actually on a flight from uh, San Francisco. And when I first went to the YouTube space uh, to do a YouTube um, a week event where YouTube invited us to help us create it, it's called YouTube Black. And we get there, and then um, Casey was one of the people I'm always like, wow. And I see him in the YouTube wall of fame. He's fresh. Uh-huh. I'm like, how do I meet Casey? And uh, one of the workers was like whispering to me and says, hella, um, I'm not supposed to probably tell you this, but I think Casey has a new space or something, but that's your best bet. And I just left it at that. So I'm flying back from San Francisco, and then um, my girlfriend at the time, now fiance, sent me a screenshot of the email saying, oh, we're inviting you to the first Thanksgiving party ever hosted by Casey mm-hmm. Neistat. I started, I scream on the flight. And then I looked around quick because I was like, don't <laughs> scream because they're gonna get you out of the flight. They might <laughs> think you're crazy. And that was the, the first event I was invited to. And uh-huh. I met Casey. And then when he saw me, he said, I saw your video, you ran a video for a year. I said, yeah, this is really incredible. We gotta get a run in. So that's how the relationship started. That's very cool. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was so great that
1: he yeah. made that vlog, yeah. that whole experience. That was really cool. When you guys were crossing the finish line, I don't know who, in your congregation was doing the Instagram live, but yeah. I was watching that Instagram live. Uh-huh. And then the sound cut out. I'm sure you know that, yeah, right? Yeah, everybody was, like, was no talking sound, about no the sound. sound. And yeah. I was like, what is that? Cause I knew you were giving a speech. I couldn't hear it. Uh-huh. And I knew something momentous was happening because people were going crazy. So yeah. I called
0: Robbie, and oh, I was like, what is perfect. going on?
1: You gotta tell me what's happening. He's like, oh, it's insane. He just proposed. Yeah.
0: It was really Yeah, cool. it was yeah. Uh, my best friend that was driving the RV and uh, Garrett Jones, he was, uh, I said, go live, you gotta go live right now on my Instagram to, to get this. So uh-huh. my uh, hello, good family members could, uh, yeah. could watch what's happening right now. Cool. huh. Well, let's walk it back a
1: little bit. Um, I wanna hear the whole story. Man. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning, growing up in West Africa.
0: Yeah, I grew up in West Africa, Mali. So Mali is one of the poorest countries in the world. Um, people make less than a dollar a day. Um, but I was very fortunate to be in a family where they kind of hide everything from you. I had no idea as a child that I was living in poverty. So that's the best part. And you just live your life. The only thing they ask from you is you go to school, you take care of your schoolwork and we play soccer all day. Mm-hmm. Um, so living there, you kind of really see how much happiness is happening there because no one really is like kind of burdening on what's happening, the poverty, the sense of nationalism, how we look out for each other and take care of each other really help and mold and shape you who you are as a human being. So after leaving there, you look back and you you can't be nothing but grateful for whatever lifestyle you're living after mm-hmm. that. So um, I grew up there and 1995, um, my dad was in the US in Illinois to do his PhD at Northern Illinois University. 97, my mother came to join him to do her master's. So at the time, my youngest brother was four. Um, I was seven, my sister was nine and we were kind of old enough to be left behind. So we were left behind with my mom's sister. Unfortunately, half of the year into the school, she passed away. Mm-hmm. So there's no one to look out for us. So they got us visas to come and join them for like the rest of their school year, which was 98 to 99. So I was in the US 98 to 99 and we flew back home and that was it. So I picked up English a little bit. I was in and elementary- You were like seven at that point. Yeah, right. yeah Jefferson Elementary School I went to in uh-huh. Illinois. And then after that, we we're just there, just continue with schooling. And fast forward to 2002, my mom came back to the US to do her Fulbright scholarship to do her PhD. And then we saw schooling in Mali was really like up and down. There's always strikes, teachers are not teaching. So it was best to get us here. So I came here um, sort of the end of eighth grade and I started mm-hmm. freshman year of high school here mm-hmm. in the US.
1: What was it like after doing a year in the US when you were yeah. super young and then going back?
0: I had actually the biggest um, problem too because language barrier, I'm starting to learn English. So when I went back now it mixed stuff with French um, because we speak French mm-hmm. as an official language in, in Mali and then bomb and I would mix everything up. So when I was actually at school, I was having a tough time learning compared to the rest of my siblings. So that was tough for me. And, but having that experience was just like a, a bit, the biggest culture shock for me. I remember everything vividly Yeah. at yeah, that age.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. well to be going back and forth like that probably gives you an added layer of perspective yeah. on the differences. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yes. But when you ultimately went back to begin high school, when you came to the United States, was that in Illinois? Is that yeah, where you came Yeah, still the same town, to DeKalb, Illinois, same uh-huh. town, yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. And your parents are super accomplished. I mean, yeah. both highly educated. I how know how are they doing now? A lot or of pressures.
0: So, yeah, both know. of them are retired now, and my mom was over 20 plus years as an English professor. Dad also So my dad has a PhD in the US, France, and England. Mm-hmm. And my mom has a PhD here and she has two masters, so mm. my older sister has a master. Um, wow. So, there's a lot of education. You're the rogue, I'm like, the weirdo. I'm, I literally am the weirdo <laughs> of all. And yeah. my younger brother, who's a mechanical engineer. And so, everybody, I was the only one actually that graduated high school at the normal age, at uh, age 18, where they were all graduating at 16. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, I was the athlete. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's interesting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> cutting your own unique path. Exactly. Which, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, under that kind of pressure, I'm sure hasn't been easy.
0: Uh, it wasn't easy at all. Yeah. For sure.
1: But soccer was the
0: thing. Soccer was always my dream. Um, if you asked the 16 year old Hella, where would you be by age 25? I had a goal in my mind to be playing in England for Chelsea FC. Mm-hmm. Chelsea was my team and soccer was all I wanted. And I realized toward the end of high school that I can go to school for free. So I started taking it serious to a point where like my school grades was falling apart. And I was um, came to the realization, Hella, you could be as good as you want in soccer, but if you don't take care of your grades, you're not gonna go to college. So I started working well on both of it, and mm-hmm. I was able to get a scholarship to go to University mm-hmm. of Massachusetts.
1: Right, Denver's. and you played there. Yeah. Um, and ultimately took a stab at at being a pro, right? Yes. Which had its kind of ups and downs. Yeah,
0: that was an interesting story to me because, um, for me, even uh, to think that I could play professionally just all happened by, uh, in terms of a kind of a, a event that I didn't kind of plan for it to happen the way it did. So. I want to, I was playing for this team called Boston Victory. So it's a PDL team, Premier Development or Professional Development League, where you can play at a high level and keep your college eligibility. So we were playing against a, a team called Worcester Hydra in Worcester, Massachusetts, and I was Boston Victory. And there's a kid that was playing there. I'll never forget his name, uh, Charlie Rugg. Um, Charlie played at Boston College. He was like ACC player of the year, scored twenty-something goals a season. So my coach said, hey, hell, I'm gonna have you play left back because I know you have pace, you gotta keep up with this kid because he's really fast. Mm-hmm. So I shut him down, didn't go anywhere. I was up and down the flank and had him even focus on defending me versus attacking. And if, if there's images of us, like literally I was glued to him. I didn't uh-huh. give him any space, but Sporting Kansas City had a, a scout sent to go watch that game specifically for that kid. And uh, after that, my, uh, my little brother acting agent emailed some MLS teams and say, I have a brother playing division one. So, Sporting Kansas City emailed me and said that, um, we came to watch a game. And in fact, we wanted to look at someone else, but we're interested in Mm -hmm. you. Yeah, forget that other guy, what's going on with Hella? We're we're, we're curious if you can play left midfield. And I was like, in fact, that is my position. I was only playing defense that day, so I can shut down Mm -hmm. the, the player from BC. And that's when the interest of professional started for me, and I was like, "Wow, I can play for it in the MLS. That's incredible!" Wow. Yeah.
1: So, what happened in that? Because yeah. there were there were some like fits and starts. I mean, yeah. I've read a little bit about this, but it sounds like you were positioned to do really well, but there were visa problems yeah, and other kinds of things behind the scenes yeah. that really kind of prevented the trajectory yeah. going in the way that you
0: wanted it. Yeah. To. So back then they had the super draft and the supplementary draft. So the super draft was like the first top round, and supplementary draft was the later rounds. And I was, they, um, Sporting Kansas City emailed me and said that we're looking at you in a supplementary draft. So, which is like the later round. And then they said our concern is visa issues. So the visa was the biggest problem. And um, to a point where they said that we can find someone as talented as you or even not as talented as you, but we don't have to worry about visa issues and we can them. develop them to be where you're at. So that was the factor. So I, went, I got invited to this combine and um, Sporting Kansas City was there. So many other MLS teams are there. And I was with this coach who was a, a head coach for a Kitsap Puma in Seattle, which is part of the Seattle Sounders. And he realized the visa issue and he went to the Sporting Kansas City coaches and said, let me have Hella for one year. And I'll even help him with the areas that you want him to improve. Hopefully within that year, we can start out the visa stuff. Mm-hmm. And I signed my first pro- professional contract in Seattle playing with the Seattle Sounders affiliate. So it was basically their farm team. Right. We played against MLS teams. Um, and actually my first start first game was against the Vancouver Whitecaps in Canada and I got to get my first assist. I missed my graduation Mm, for that, which was cool. But the visa issue was the biggest for everything. It's
1: interesting because foreign nationals, there has to be a lot of foreign nationals who are kind of entering into the MLS system, right? So the immigration thing has to be something that they're dealing with all the time. Yeah,
0: and there's a roster cap. I don't know if it changed until this point, but eight international roster space. So out of like 22 to 26 players, only eight players can be foreign. Hmm. And I had this message sent to me by a, a coach in Sporting Kansas City. He said, "Hella, listen, I'm sorry, but we would rather have someone from Europe and that can sell jerseys and pick up that spot versus someone new coming in. So wow. basically it's, it's it, like it, a commercial reason. It, it becomes yeah. even more that. So if you're a foreign national, you have yeah, to be extra a big time, yeah. yeah, big time and you get that spot. Uh-huh. So, so that got played out. I mean, how long were you part of that organization? Um, for the, the team in Seattle, yeah. just a season. And right away, actually I had a, my assistant coach from college had a, a roommate in college when he was playing in college at Temple University, Roy Finkel was a, a agent recruiting players to go to Europe. So I had a chance to go play in, in Germany with a Bundesliga two, which had some US national team players. So nothing was guaranteed, playing time wasn't guaranteed, but to be there for a certain amount of time was guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And I had to make my way up. So I went, I flew from Seattle, went to Boston and I went to the German embassy for my visa, they shut it. They said immediately, mm. um, we're concerned, you're not a US citizen. Let's say you get to Germany, the season's over, your contract is done. Are you gonna go back home? You're uh, immigration um, threat in a way. You're probably not gonna go back to Africa. We don't want you to be an immigration issue in Germany. So they shut that down. Wow. Yeah, that was, I was sad about that because I was really- It like has that,
1: nothing to do with what, how good you are as no, a soccer player.
0: No, it's yeah. something that's out of your control. And uh, a friend of mine that got connected, well, he's a friend. We were connected, we were going together. He was a US citizen, a goalkeeper actually from California. He went there and I saw him living his dream, playing in Europe, which is cool. Um, but seeing that, I was like, oh man, I could have almost been there, but Visa also. So you're a super
1: positive guy. Yeah.
0: That must've left you with a little bit of a bitter taste or something. A little bit, though, right? yeah. It got tough for me at that point. Um, and I, you get to a point where you're like, you start pointing fingers and, and some of the excuses I was making back then were very valid. Um, I got shut down to play in the youth national team in the US. I remember I was invited to go to Sarasota to play with the US national team when I was playing with the Chicago Fire, Chicago Magic back in Illinois. And they said, you gotta go tell your mom to get you your passport. I thought it was that easy. I went, mom, mom, give me my, my US passport. She's like, hell, it's not that easy. So you, all of that start coming back into your mind mm. and you feel like you have zero control. So you get to a point where everything really bothers you. So, and then I was always a happy, exciting person. And that was really bothering me. At the time, I didn't know I was depressed, but if you were to ask me, um, then I would say to people, oh, I'm just frustrated. So there are things that never bothered me would start bothering me. And then now I look back, I think I was really depressed mm-hmm. back then. And uh, I just got to the realization, which is with a run that made me feel like that um, to a point where I was like, "Hella, what can you control now? What are you in control of in your life? Cause those things are not. So that's when I started taking responsibility and say, go do what you can do and, mm-hmm. and, and focus on that. Put your energy there, not the areas you can. not And what really was that? I mean, when faced with the prospect of yeah. your
1: professional career not panning out, yeah. what's next?
0: I literally told myself one day, I'm tired <laughs> of making excuses. I gotta do something that I can hold myself accountable for. And then fitness comes to your mind, you're an athlete. And I said, hella, whenever you tell yourself you're gonna go to the gym for a week straight, you go two, three days, you tap out. And I said, what is something that I'm afraid of? Running hit me immediately. So playing division one, even at the pro level running, I was always afraid of it. Um, at UMass Amherst, the track team used to look at us. Are you guys the UMass track team? You guys run so much. Our coach was very proud, uh, may he rest in peace, Sam Cook uh, was very proud to say, you guys are gonna be the fittest team in the country. So anything you do, any mistake on the line, we want to play top teams the day before he makes us run. So I was fitness test, I was afraid of it. I couldn't sleep the night before. I was play. I could play 90 minutes, no problem because with soccer, you're heading 50, 50 ball, you're attacking, you're defending. It's not just solely focused on running. So I, I told my, I asked myself, what are you afraid of? And running hit me. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna go face my fear of running. Let me just go 10 minutes a day for two weeks and zero pressure. It doesn't matter if 10 minutes mean you don't even get to a mile, that's okay. So I told myself that within the first week I fell in love with it immediately. So I ran to, Alexa Torre is my fiance, I was like, I think I can do this for the rest of my life, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let me do this every day for a year. Uh-huh. So that's how the whole run streak started.
1: Right. So yeah. it was really born out of this frustration. Yeah, that's and a little bit of confusion about what the next chapter was going to look yes, like. Yes, exactly, exactly.
0: That's how it all started.
1: It's also interesting that your frame on running is through the lens of punishment. You yeah. Know, when you are on a sports uh-huh. <laughs> team, it's not run specific. It's like that's you know being told to run is what happens when you get in trouble. Literally. Or, you know, it's yeah. it's like. It's like the
0: stick. If you, you know? if you ask teammates of mine, I get so stressed the night before a fitness test. They can see it. They're like, "Hell, are you okay?" I'm like, "I just can't stop thinking about that beep test tomorrow morning, <laughs> or like the, the Cooper uh-huh. test where you gotta run two miles under twelve minutes. And if you don't make those time, you gotta be in Breakfast Club, which is extra fitness before the actual practice. And the actual practice has its own fitness in it. So it really got me all, all confused and scared right. and petrified. But you're you super imagine. fit. So when you <laughs> yeah. started this streak. I think you said you went out and ran ten minutes or yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was ten minutes a day. That was the goal.
1: Capable of doing more than that? Yeah,
0: way capable. And then that ten minutes didn't even last. It was just the first week. I was ended up finding myself running even four miles. But the whole point of that idea of saying ten minutes a day was to have zero pressure. Because mm-hmm. I, I know if I were to tell myself, hello, you got to run at least five miles a day," that's something at that point in my mentality and, and physical ability for running wasn't I wasn't something I was kind of capable of of maintaining but I knew it was something attainable to do 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, it was a mental thing. So, that made me feel like, okay, you're doing this with no pressure, enjoying. Spring was in the air, it was May 15th of 2017. So, it was just a perfect amount of no time for me to be out there. So, that's why yeah. I said 10 minutes.
1: Streaks are so
0: interesting yeah. psychologically, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. think it's
1: really powerful to talk about setting a really low bar if you're contemplating something like that, making yeah. it doable. So yes you can actually learn to enjoy it before it becomes too challenging. Exactly. You're gonna pull the ripcord cord before you've even gotten out of the gate. Yeah, But once you develop a little bit of momentum, it becomes like this self-perpetuating thing, yes, right? I, I don't agree. know why that is. It's that thing, and I've said it many times before, when you're going to the gym consistently, it's just easier to go, or yes. if you're running every day, it's easier, easier to get to out get and, it, run. and get it done. But if you Break that cycle if you interrupt it oh. even once. Oh man! Then you just create all <laughs> kinds of anxiety and Everything. strain on yourself oh, that I, makes the, it so difficult.
0: Yeah, the starting over, the thinking, mm-hmm. and all that. So it, it's it's very true. Exactly how you said it. Right. Yeah. So when you first began this, was the idea of
1: a streak even in your mind, or you're just like, I'm going to go out and run because yeah. I want to be able to have some control over it was, myself. It
0: wasn't even a streak. It was just two weeks that I needed to do. And the thing is, to my now, I didn't know what streaking actually was for running. I didn't even know it was a thing in the running community. I was so new to the running community. Just for the record, we're not talking about running naked. <laughs> yeah. Oh we're yeah, not, yeah. <laughs> yes, running. running consecutive Consecutively, yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good point, that's a value <laughs> to it. Yeah, so I was very uh, ignorant to it, didn't know. And that was really good. I'm yeah. glad I didn't know about it because also that would have been, oh, people shriek. That's another pressure that I didn't mm-hmm. need. So I didn't even know, and the, it was just to get out there. And I just knew I wanted to do it every day now for a year. Is there and a I, whole world of people who do these streaks out there? I discovered, document not document. I think we, um, uh, humbly we became um, hella good, uh, like my YouTube channel and with my fiance, cause it's a team. Uh, we became basically the, the first people to really put it on the platform of running every day mm-hmm. and running every day for a year, 365 days. And then now everybody, that we were actually been doing it, started documenting it and push it out. And which I'm so happy about because I actually am happier for more people who are doing the streak compared to me because a lot of questions comes, oh, he's the lucky one, how is he able to do it? But when I see someone else, then I'm like, see, it's not just me. Look at yeah. this person did it, yeah, yeah. that person did it, so.
1: When you made your 365 day, your one year streak video, yeah. most of that video was clips of other people out running yeah, in different parts of the world.
0: Exactly, because um, I realized how much running brought us together. And we started building a community and I wanted to show that to people and talk about my story of how running every day changed my life and how people became a part of it. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's all about the people. I think people make the experience. Um, You could do a lot of stuff by yourself, but without the people, I feel like it's right. not the same.
1: Right, well, at first it becomes this journey of self-discovery yes. and, uh-huh. and an exploration of your own personal exactly. potential. But at some point it becomes rote and it has to become about something else in order to maintain yes. its meaningfulness. I agree with you hundred yeah. percent, yeah. So you start this thing off, you're doing it, you're not sharing anything about it until you reach a certain point. Yeah. And then you decide to kind of
0: break public in yeah. this whole thing? Actually, that's, a, that's a, a good point to bring up because for me, this was not meant for social media. It was just for myself. And it was um, Caller Bell, my fiance. When I started this running streak, she was like, I think we gotta do a YouTube video. This is really cool. You're running every day and you're going for a year. People need to hear about this. I keep pushing it off. I was always pushing it off. So on day 163, she came to me and she said, hey, do you wanna do a YouTube video on this? So I was like, all right, fine. You keep asking, let's just do it. I had just done my run for the day. So I said, can I just go to the barbershop and get my haircut, get this like (laughs) nice fade, so I can look pretty in front of the camera. And then I went to get my haircut, came back, we did a video and the title was why I run every day, day 163. Mm -hmm. And I started explaining to people. So that video actually sat on YouTube for a month or two wasn't a lot of views, a couple, maybe 20, 30 views. So one morning I woke up, it was like 2000 views overnight. And I went, I was like, "Belle, look at this. This is really weird. Why is this catching on like this? And then we see 20,000 views overnight and that kind of went, went in mm-hmm. mini viral. And it, it got over 600,000 views really quick. And everybody's asking me, are you still continuing the shriek? What's happening? Can you update us? So my DM on Instagram is getting flooded now. Comments on YouTube is getting up. So I said, well, let's keep updating people. And I started doing updates day 254. Day 365, and then we just became YouTubers by mm-hmm. by accident. So right. it's one of the things I was afraid of that turned into passion, and now that turned into something bigger than I ever imagined. Yeah, yeah. And Belle really drives that, right? She without her the there's no hell good, 100%. Yeah. So basically, she dropped whatever she's doing to help me chase my dreams and goals. Uh-huh. She was she never went to school for uh, filmography or photography or anything. She just self-taught even editing. Just we started doing it together as I'm running and sharing the passion. With everybody, and she's recording it, and she got better with, kind of get the content out to You can see the everybody. evolution, yeah. From she, the early videos, yeah, to, to now, present, she, how much she's crushing she's it, yeah. at So, it. Yeah. and then back to be like, oh, this is awesome. We look back, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, it yeah. looks you definitely got so much better.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, it's cool.
0: Uh, and some of those videos have millions of views. Now, yeah, yeah, a you know? few of them went viral. Yeah. Um, we've had all the the running every day for a year, the, the three years, and the 1,000 days. Um, day eight or two. So we had a few of them over a few million views, which was really cool, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: So you meet the 365 goal, you Uh did it for a year. Mm -hmm. You're like, I'm gonna keep going. Yeah. Um, So how long had you been doing it before the idea of running
0: across America came into your brain? So it was two years in. So after the first year, I knew I wasn't gonna stop. But the thinking was, can I do it again? Because now I know everything to expect the season because the goal is to be outside no matter the circumstances, raining sunshine, snow, I have to run outside. If I go run on a treadmill, it won't count. It's extra run, but it's not counting toward my streak. Mm-hmm. I have to be outside. That was my biggest goal. So after that second year coming up, you knew what to expect. So it wasn't as joyful to the first year. Everything was new first year. You're like, whoa, this is happening, new discovery. And I got hurt the, the second year. So, but in the second year, I, it really hit me quick. Hello, this is bigger than yourself. You prove to yourself you can run every day for a year. You're going on year two. That's gonna be a daily routine. Do it for something that's bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. So, and I realized quick how running is a privilege that not everyone has. And I wanna use that privilege of mine to do it for something greater. So the ideas of doing it for things, even doing races, I, I don't care about my own PR numbers. Mm-hmm. I wanna have a reason to go fight for So if I'm dying out there, I'm thinking about why I'm running. So I'm sitting home one day and came out of the shower and I said, I think I wanna run across the country. Has anyone done that? And again, I thought I was gonna be the first one. I have no idea, (laughs) clueless. Uh And she looked at me, she goes, oh no. Cause she knows when I try to do something now at that point I have to do it. Mm -hmm. And her, um, she's like, all right. She started doing research for me. And then that's when we discovered Robbie Ballinger. Right. And um, that's how the idea of running across the country came up after year two, when I said I I needed to run across the country. Right, all
1: right. Well, we're gonna get into that in a second, but I have to ask,
0: Yeah. During
1: this couple of years, when you're running every single day, there's some travel in there too. Right? Oh, yeah? Like, oh. you had to go to Australia. Like, how yeah. are you making sure that you're not missing a day? A day. There's some yeah. tricky moments in there yeah. where it was touch and go, whether you were gonna be able to squeeze it in.
0: Yeah. So, so many times I've flown, I would get up two, three in the morning to run. So, I wanna be in control of what I can do. I don't wanna go to the airport, get stuck at the airport, or I don't have a, a, a mean to get out to run. So, I get up very early to run. So, the Australia opportunity came with GoPro. Um, and I told GoPro, no, I'm not going. To Australia. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I said, I'm so sorry. This is great. But because of running, I picked I, my I, streak. Yeah. I, I, because of running, I met you guys. I, oh. It's very important to me to run. And then to go to Australia is like 27 hours. I'm going to miss a day. So they find a way, they're connecting with the travel agent. So I set up the trip where I don't mess up my streak. So I had to take a, a little more flights than everybody. So I can so keep what, my streak like alive. So you flew to LA first and yeah. took a day. So you yeah. can do a run. Stayed in LA and then on midnight in LA on the day before I went to Australia. So I got up at midnight. So it was the next day, it was midnight already. I kept everything at Eastern Standard Time instead of Western too, because I didn't wanna get advantage of the extra like hours into the day, like three extra hours. So I wanted to make sure I get the same 24 hours as I left. So I, I ran in LA, took a day and the next day at midnight, I got up to run right before I went to the airport. Mm. Literally ran shower and ended up running to get to the airport because I almost missed my flight. So I ended up doing two extra miles that night to get to um, the international section of uh, LAX. So now I landed in Brisbane. And uh, Brisbane was from LA to Brisbane was about 15 hours. And then when I got to Broome, immediately I got off the airport, we got to the hotel, and I went to run again. Mm-hmm. So we're still in the same time zone. As you maintain East, the yeah.
1: Eastern, Eastern yeah. time zone yeah. as the
0: anchor. And the cool part about that is though, it was still the same day in the East Coast, but just later in um, Australia, about to be into this following day. Right. So it was really cool. That's confusing. Yeah, it was, it's confusing. <laughs> I did a whole YouTube video to explain <laughs> it to people um, so that was how I kept my streak alive going to Australia. And what's the typical run? The typical run um, in terms of distance. Yeah. Yeah. So in the beginning by accident, I ended up averaging over seven miles a day. Um, my first year was 2,800 miles. And then I had that mentality. Now I wanna run seven miles a day. That's like the, the mile that doesn't break me, but it tests me. But it's just enough that I feel like I've done something. And second year I was injured. I just missed five miles a day average. And then I third year I was averaging over 10K. And, because of the transcontinental, mm-hmm. I averaged over eight uh, miles a day for the whole four years. So, my favorite mile is going on a seven mile run because it's something that kind of tests me but doesn't break me. The sweet spot. Yeah, it's the sweet yeah. spot. Is yeah. that what you did today? Today, no, I did five miles today. Okay, yeah. All right, maybe you have to get out and do two yeah, more. Yeah, two more. Before we can go out or. right now. Do you have your shoes? <laughs> <laughs> I might have my car. Yeah.
1: <laughs> cool. So, the idea for the transcontinental run comes into your awareness. Yeah. A great opportunity to make this about something broader than just maintaining a streak. A streak, exactly.
0: How did you become aware of Robbie? So, again, Bell, I'm telling you, what I heard, I wouldn't even probably be sitting uh-huh. here talking to you today. She just started doing research. I had no idea. She goes, hey, hello, there's this runner who's actually plant based running across the country. He's going to be literally in our backyard to. Start in New Jersey to go to New York. She said, we should go meet him. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So my goal to go meet Robbie was just to run five miles with him. I get there, he's energy. I said, there's no way I can only do five miles. I have to do the whole 17 miles with him. So that's how I met Robbie. And when I first met him, I told Robbie right then. I said, hey, Robbie, I'm so-and-so, I run. This is really cool. And I said to him, I'm gonna run across the country. And then he looked at me and he gave me the look of like, you know what, the way this guy just said that to me, I think he's gonna do it. Because <laughs> when you say something to uh-huh. somebody, you get the energy, how they might think, oh mm-hmm. no, you can't, or you're crazy. He was like, you know, the look that he gave me, it almost was like, I think he, this guy might actually try to do this. Right. So it was the best time I interviewed him. I had my GoPro with running and then I asked him a bunch of questions. And that's how the relationship started with Robbie and I. And I was just like being there firsthand to see what he was going through the last day kind of gave me even more motivation and more um belief in myself that I can do it. Mm. Yeah.
1: So was that last run into New
0: York City, the same route that you took? Similar, mm-hmm. very similar. So he ended in a park that wasn't far away from my house. Literally, if I were to run through the park, I'd get to him in like five minutes. So we had to drive around, which was about 10 minutes. So we ended in similar area, but in the opposite of each uh-huh. of the area. And then a route that I took eventually kind of Got into Hayes to finish into New York City. Right. Yeah. It's so serendipitous. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he's on your radar, and he's literally going to go right through your backyard. Yeah. And it was meant to be. It really mm-hmm. was because what are the chances someone running across the United States ends up being where I live? Right. Yeah. And, and so I you had ran it in the mind. whole last day with him. I ran the yeah. first day with him. Yeah. yeah. He told me about that from, uh, too. I knew. To I beach. knew of you already. Yeah, I am like, yeah. wait. Wait, wait, are you telling me <laughs> ritual came? He said, yeah, he told me the whole story. And I said, wow, that is incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. cool. Yeah. So we
1: bookended it. Uh-huh. And then he becomes like this mentor who helps you figure yeah. out the logistics of how yes. you're actually gonna execute on this.
0: Exactly. And the thing is, you know, the saying, it takes a whole village to raise a child, it's true. Even for me, without having uh, Alexa Torres Bell to help me, my friend coming to drive, Robbie being there, it would have been like almost mm. impossible. So he basically told us his experience and we were looking at his route on Strava as well. Um, he used the, the famous racing route, mm-hmm. but it was easy to also just go look at his map instead of looking for that map itself. And uh, we had to kind of find our own route within it at some point, but um, we we're basically using his blueprint right. to get through. There's so many different routes. Yeah, I mean, your so route many. took
1: you pretty much through, the. Su- it's more of the Southern route, not e, the full yeah, South route. Yeah, right?
0: toward the Southern. Yeah. yeah. Why did you decide to take it that way? Um, well, first I thought coming from West to, East, the tailwind would help, which we had zero tailwind, but also seeing that someone already done it that way, Robbie has done it that way. And it was kind of, it makes you feel better. Like, you know what, this is like, uh, it's not like you're the first one paving this route. So you kind of have a little bit of a breathing room to kind of follow a route. So that's why we decided to do it. And then looking at the the Rocky mountain area, the weather is now was predictable. Uh And when we actually started within a week, there was a huge snowstorm where everything was shut. And uh, I, we were always thinking, what happened if the RV gets stuck in the snow in the mountains? What happened that I can't even get through because there's like walls of snow. So that was always in the back of the head. So it made sense for us to go in the southern states.
1: Also mm-hmm.
0: tons of vert. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, There's that too. Yeah, that, that too, yeah. for sure.
1: Not for nothing, do yeah. you know what Robbie's doing right now? Yes,
0: Robbie is crushing it, uh, the Colorado it's run. It's
1: literally called the Colorado crush. 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 crush
0: I yeah. mean, this, this guy is right.
1: doing, he did the Leadville marathon the uh-huh. other day. Right now, he's in the midst of conquering the Colorado Trail, which is yes. 500 miles. Uh-huh. Then he's gonna run the Silver Rush 50. Yes. Then he's gonna summit all 58 Colorado peaks over 14,000 feet.
0: And he's gonna Unreal. complete
1: this challenge with the Leadville 100, 100. on August 21st. On August.
0: Incredible. It's unbelievable. I said, I have to find a way to get to him. I like, Ravi, I'm gonna call him. <laughs> he doesn't stop. I'm gonna say, hey, Ravi, do you need me to come run with you or be next to you or whatever you want? I owe you that. But uh-huh. He doesn't stop, that's that's the kind of people you wanna put yourself around because he just gets it done.
1: Did COVID have any um, influence on doing this now versus later just because everything was locked down? This is
0: something that you could do Mm -hmm. or? Definitely did because um, I actually wanted to do in 2020 and that's when the whole, like literally the country was shutting down, Mm -hmm. nothing's happening. And for me, I wanted to make sure that people were involved I wanted to be not just about me, about a creating a, a community, creating something positive because all these stuff were happening in the world. So I wanted us to come together as, as humans and having running in common or not just being with each other. So when COVID started, I kind of was thinking, you know what, maybe we should wait and keep pushing it off because mm-hmm. I want people to be involved with it. And actually I was saved for myself because Yes, mentally I was ready, but physically not to think back at, I don't think I was really ready because within that year of COVID, I started doing more ultra distances. So I did my second 50 miler, um, crushed the PR by 30 more minutes um, faster. I did a 245 mile week where I was running 35 miles a day. And that one <sighs> really, a heavy and, week. yeah. And then that's why I got the idea maybe I can do it hundred days or less because with that, I didn't even do much like the way I would do five mile segments. This one I was doing 17 miles, 11 miles and get it done within three miles, 35 miles. Mm -hmm. So that kind of helped me be stronger and build kind of some kind of endurance and running strength for ultra distances. And then 2021 comes and we took things into full gear.
1: Yeah, Yeah. it's one thing to just go out and run five, seven miles every day. It's another thing to prepare for a transcontinental run. How other than what you just mentioned, like how did the training differ from
0: just maintaining that streak. Completely different. That's Ravi also, Ravi Ballinger yeah. is the man. I talked to him, he said, hello, run of zone two. He said, run slow. And he even recommended me go walk for two hours and have your leg just be heavy and beat up. You want that feeling, because that's what's gonna happen. You always wanna run on tired legs. He, yeah, exactly. So, I was, to me, I went out to run in zone two. It wasn't, it wasn't slow enough. Yeah. It was slow compared to what I was doing, really slow. And then to myself, I'm always like, man, I, I'm going so slow. I could have done this many miles. You play this game with yourself in your head, it was much slower than compared to what I was doing. Yeah, but I want
1: That's went... how you build the true endurance yes. and that aerobic exactly energy, you know, that, that, the that runs, aerobic
0: engine that you're yeah. gonna need. And then I, I'm glad I even did what I did to even get what I got out of it. Uh, it's just, I could have even went slower than I did. Yeah. So I made sure that I focused like two to three months doing that prior to starting this. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like the, the, the this pace that I run, because it's not, it's not a, a middle distance or long distance sprint. This is ultra, ultra yeah. game is different it's now. A it's a totally different thing. Yeah. Did you periodize the training at all? Uh, not really. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just went into it and I made sure that I was gaining some weight and I started strength training more. I started mm-hmm. lifting weights and usually I don't lift weights as much. I try to do body weight strength training, um, doing like even resistance work. So I started lifting weight. I added a few more pounds and I was just making sure that I get out there and running. I was running like, a, even uh, a 100 mile week, I've had started doing that, I started doing mileage where I would never do, but that was about it, just making sure that I was running mm-hmm. and then having strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It's interesting when you watch your videos, especially the one that you did on technique, like run technique. Yeah to see the change in the evolution in not just your stride, but like your body. Yeah, you know, everything when, changes. When we, when, when we see you crossing the finish line in New York City, yeah. you, you're like a skinny lean, you you look like a runner. You I know, lost. In early <laughs> videos, you're like, this is a soccer player. Yeah, a soccer player, buddy. With stubby legs, yeah. you know, and the whole thing. Uh-huh. It's amazing to see the body transformation. Everything and, changed. And just, the natural kind of stride that you have. You're like, that guy looks like he knows how to
0: run. Yeah, everything changed and that goes in with time too. So, I tell people, if you're getting into running, it's gonna eventually change, just stay consistent with it. Yeah, yeah, everything changed. Losing the weight um, is just gonna happen. You just gotta make sure you eat as much as you can. Uh-huh. And I, wanna, I remember actually last summer, I was training for a 5K PR. So I, I lost weight just because just sweating a lot, just naturally didn't even plan on doing it. And I remember um, someone on my YouTube uh, channel actually who has like a 10,000 something streak day. Um, yeah, uh-huh. he lives in Michigan. Uh, I can't believe I'm blanking out his name now. He's like a good friend of ours, like on YouTube always commenting. And he said, hello, you have a, a, a race body now, this is the race weight. Uh-huh. So you just lose weight by just running, yeah. yeah. So the idea
1: is to try to get this done in under hundred days. Yeah,
0: that was the. the but goal. secretly, I wanted eighty-five days. Eighty-five. Yeah,
1: you got it done in eighty-four. Eighty-four. Yeah. Which means how many miles a day?
0: Um, just over thirty-six average. Uh, but the crazy thing for me to think about it, the first half, to get to the first half of the country, took me almost fifty days. The second half, I did it in thirty-four days. Mm which showed how much I had really had to go through in the mountain. The mountain mm-hmm. areas is what really beat me up and slow me down. I was talking to Robbie a lot and he said, hella my advantage was I lived in Colorado. I was always running in the mountains. I live in New Jersey, 92 feet above sea level. Yeah. My whole almost three four years of running every day, my elevation gain, I don't think total wasn't was more than 4,000. Right, all pavement, no yeah. hills. And, and I call those hills now speed bumps. I don't think they're hills, <laughs> they're yeah. not at all. Yeah. So that- So you uh, went through this
1: acclimation phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah of having to get fitter while also your body trying to, uh, you know, get used to yeah. the pounding and the vert and the different types of weather. I know your feet like swelled up and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You went from yeah. like a size 10 to, to an 11, 11 and, and a half, half, yeah.
0: Wow, man. Yeah, and then knee was swelled up, uh, uh, ankle was swelled up and shins were flared, um, blisters everywhere and the running in that. And me, I went in, Robbie warned me too. I've had warnings and you kind of like, you learn your lessons. He told me, "Hella, get these sticks, checking sticks. So I was laughing, I was like, I said poles, yeah. I was like, Ravi, who needs a pole to run? Because we have like comfortable relationship, like we joke around. And he said, trust me, it's gonna make a huge difference. So I get them, they're with me, didn't use it in California at all. So me being me, I was running up everything. And I was listening to Born to Run in the Mm. beginning. And it says in Born to Run for ultra racing, if you don't see the top of the hill, do not run it. It's wasteful energy. It's not gonna take you anywhere. You think the downhill is gonna help at that point, your legs are beat up. You're not even making any progress. So I was running everything up. That's when I messed up my knee and then ankle became a problem. And then my hip was so out of line. It was like two inch above the other, Um, my right knee versus the left knee. So I had to really, I called Robbie, I said, how did you do this? He said, what are you doing? I said, yeah, I'm running everything. He said, you're not supposed to be running everything. Hello, <laughs> you cannot uh-huh. run up these. And then you're, yeah. you're gaining, I won, yeah. one of my run, I gained. You're three.
1: not going any faster anyway. You're not,
0: I'm literally slowing myself down. So I kind of like got into the ultra, listening to Born and Run, actually taking tips from then, calling Robbie if I have any question. And I got stronger as I was going, technique was changing, strategies were changing. And that's why I had a better, stronger April month compared to March where I, basically went from 876 miles in March to uh, 1,225 miles in (sighs) April with one day less. And even the elevation gain was worse in April compared to March. It's amazing how the body can just get used to that. Literally adapt. Like
1: originally you're having all these problems because it's like, what are you doing to me? Yeah, exactly. Make a few tweaks, keep going and suddenly those things get resolved. It comes together perfectly, yeah. yeah. so. Throughout that whole experience, I mean, hit me with some of the highlights.
0: Yeah, the the best is like going through the Navajo reservation in New Mexico was incredible. So the message travel, if I meet somebody, by the time I get to a different part of the reservation, they already know I'm coming because someone will say something. Talking. And yeah. people are getting ready for gifts. Someone has made us uh, has made me a necklace. They were getting feathers, has a, a gift, like telling us what the meaning behind it. Keychain and even Belle got a gift, Gare got a gift. So and I met my, the first person to come and run with me was on Zach from the Navajo reservation. Mm-hmm. He was a native. And he came when Robbie came the same day. Oh, wow. So he said, Can I run with you? Hell, I said, Yeah, of course. So we ran 15 miles together that day. And then he said, Can I get your number? And I said, Yeah, sure. So he texted me and said, Can I get your location? I want to come back again. He came back the next day and ran 30 miles with me. So that was really cool. That's when people started coming in at that point. Mm-hmm. And it was just incredible. Just like the beauty of the reservation, the New Mexico and the people itself. That was the biggest, one of the biggest highlights.
1: Yeah. yeah. Do you have to, I remember talking to Ravi about going through the Navajo Nation. I mean, it can be tricky, right? Like yeah. it's not just a free-for-all, like do you no. have to alert them ahead of time? Like, hey, we're coming, is it cool? Certain areas. Permission, Yeah. just, you know, sort of shake the hands and make sure that, you know, sort of.
0: Yeah, we, we didn't have to deal with that much, but there was one time that a lady stopped us and told me, you gotta wear a vest. You can't be running on the roads without wearing a vest. So I only would put on my, my um kind of safety vest reflective, at night, ref- yeah. reflective vest at night, so I can be seen by cars. But during the day, she's like, you gotta put this on. And she explained to me about people drinking and driving. You don't wanna get hit. And she was like, You have no choice. Like she's like, mm. do this now. So with respect, also, we're like, well, it won't hurt me. It's just extra safety. So we put it on. Um, but there's been areas where we've got invited to use people's land to have RV park overnight. Yeah, yeah, because there's nowhere to the park, it's not safe. And then those are open land that people own. So they're like, we had a gentleman say, hey, can you come in? You can come and park your RV uh-huh. overnight because I have no use to that space, you can.
1: And was it just you and Bell? That was the crew,
0: was yeah, there anybody so, else? So it was me, Bell, and Garrett, my oh, friend. Garrett, yeah, right. so okay. he was driving the uh-huh. RV. He would go every five miles ahead in the beginning. Um, so, Belle would be next to me, literally we're talking about eight to 14 hours a day on in a support car driving a RAV4 or a crossover where she would be the one doing the direction. I'm not good with direction. She'll tell me turn when you get to this area. And uh, I'm like calling her on my apple. Like, hey, what street am I supposed to be turning? <laughs> but she's next to me for that. And like fluids and any snacks or mm-hmm. food I need. And also for safety too, safety from dogs and some people as well, because yeah. I has some people. Yeah, I wanna talk yeah. about
1: that. Also shooting, editing and- And
0: yeah, getting content. To social media the whole yes. time as well. Yeah, doing all of it. So I think if you were to ask me even now, who had the hardest job, I said she did. Yeah, Cause my energy just had to be solely focused on running and just feeling myself eating and, and running. Hers was like everything. She basically held everything together. She really did. There's an illusion
1: that if you're crewing an ultra event that's uh-huh. chill, you're just in the car and you're uh-uh. just listening to tunes, but no. it's full court press. It, I don't think there's, there's so any much time. to do. There's so you much have to be thinking ahead. Yeah. You have to be thinking about tomorrow. Where are we gonna get food? Mm-hmm. Do we have ice? Like yeah. Anticipating what your needs are gonna be. Yeah. And also you're gonna be so exhausted that you're not the best arbiter of what you Ex- need. Like exactly. If, if this guy needs to drink, he tells me he's not thirsty, <laughs> yeah. you know, you gotta force yeah, yourself that's exactly on him, it. all that kind of stuff. Yeah
0: to a point where I was thinking, make sure that she is not stressed. So my goal was to make sure that she is good because if she's not good, I'm in trouble. So any little thing that's coming up that I could see could end up being bad. Mm-hmm. I make sure that, okay, are you good? Are you good? Are you sure? She she gives me the thumbs up. Yeah, she's good. So we move on because without her, I would have been in trouble. I'm yeah. sure
1: you've heard the trope that you should never have people you care about crew for you for these things uh-huh. because it gets dicey. Yeah. You know, It gets tense. Uh huh. You're a very optimistic, you yeah. got this sunny disposition, but I would imagine you were in the pain cave quite a bit. Like did yeah. you
0: ever you know, break character and go into that dark space? Actually, I tried and I, I, I don't think I did. So what really helped me before this, I told myself, Hella, anything that happens, any hardship that happens, you have to accept this because that's part of this. Even if you haven't done it, you know something is gonna come. So the fact that I accepted that, so my thinking was always when something happened, Hella. Soul for souls, think about that. Mm -hmm. The reason to doing this is much bigger than anything you're gonna go through, whether that's pain or anything, any little problem, hiccups. So I will always remind myself that and I'll do my little um, gratification in the morning when I'm doing my first mile, just telling myself that. So I always kind of stay away from that. And we did really well together as a team. We really never stepped on each other. And in fact, she kept me in line, like you have to eat. You don't wanna do this? And she'll she listen to my, my problem. Anything I, like, oh man, my legs, I don't know if I can make it to 30 miles today. She'll listen to me. I remember one day when I really realized she's not taking anything easy on me, when I had to do 47 miles. We started the 47 miles. I get to 40 miles and I had six miles to go, and it was night, pitch black. I look at her, I'm like, yeah, I still got six miles to go. Um, I don't know what to do. In my mind, I'm hoping she said, just do three more and we'll call it a night. Mm. She literally looks at me with no smile with a serious look. She goes, it is what it is. We gotta get six in. If that means it's gonna take you two, three hours, we gotta get six in. And then I was just like, oh. <laughs> you're not getting out of this hell lock. Start moving now because you're wasting time. So she wouldn't let me cave in. Cause there's been, right. if she were to tell me, just shut it down there. That's all I needed to hear that day. That's how I exhausted yeah, yeah, and yeah, whatever yeah. I was. And I'm glad that happened because that gave us a little, a little bit of a leading way later on in the day when I had other things come up. It was mm. perfect. Yeah.
1: You mentioned Souls for Souls. Yeah. Uh, I I know Buddy Teaster. Buddy a bit. I spent is. Spent a little bit of time with that guy. He's what awesome. an amazing person. So talk a little bit about that relationship yeah. and and why that organization.
0: Yeah. So I grew up in West Africa, Mali and having shoes literally is. Having shoes here is a luxury thing for people because you can have it and then it becomes luxurious. Like you just don't need shoes just to have shoes. So you're safe, your feet are safe. It's more about more than that. And Mali, that's not the case. So we need shoes, it's a it's a safety thing. Um, I grew up playing soccer and dirt, like grain, like pebbly. And then there's metal scraps here and there. So you would cut yourself. I have scars all over my legs, even the bottom of my feet. So not having shoes is a big problem. And when you get shoes, you have to take care of it. If you don't, the next one won't come out for two to three years, sometime even five. And sometimes it's not even that you don't take care of the shoes, you outgrow it. And you got to wait till the next one, you have the opportunity for your family to get it because it's not about shoes, it's about you being able to eat and survive. And I was very lucky to be one of the family that could get shoes for you, but it doesn't mean that I get shoes all the time too either. So I realized that and I'm thinking to go for a run, all you need is a pair of shoes and it can change your life. It has changed my life and bail again started searching what nonprofit really could relate to me as a person that I wanna run for. And she found Souls for Souls. It's like perfect. Yeah, it was a yeah. perfect match in heaven. Yeah. Literally, it was the best thing that we could have done for And we saw there's so many amazing nonprofit out there, but we wanted to make sure that something that relate and something that could make a change. And what they do is they collect unwanted shoes, use or new, and they turn it into opportunity. And they're trying to use shoes to break the cycle of poverty. And what I really love about Soul for Souls that got my attention immediately was that not only did they help all over the world, third world country or whatnot. They also help in the U.S. because i living in the U.S. I'm very proud to say I'm a U.S. citizen. And I still see that sometimes we tend to forget that even here, a first world country, people don't have shoes to wear. So the fact that they cater to that, they look out for here and other places of the world, it's awesome. And it's not even being selfish in a way because I, my mentality is if you take care of yourself, then you have the ability to take care of others so, I like that they're helping everywhere in the world also here in the US, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's really a really cool.
1: It's a really interesting model because they have this distribution mechanism where all over the country there are places that you can drop you can off drop your off, shoes, yeah. new or used. Mm-hmm. And they funnel all of these shoes into distribution outlets all over the world. I mean, yeah. Africa is probably the most yeah. prominent mm-hmm. um, yeah, continent where they distribute these, but they don't just give them to people. No. They basically donate them to entrepreneurs exactly who can then sell them at an affordable cost and then so you're not living. just like it's like the thing of are you going to give somebody a fish or are you going to teach them how, how to fish, fish right so they're teaching they're how to fish giving these people a way to make a living exactly. by doing it
0: yeah and i saw this family's um, story in Haiti where this lady couldn't afford to feed her family let alone pay for her kids to go to school now because of Soul's, for Souls she had a little business for herself can feed her family and can pay for kids to go to school mm. on top of that, which is really cool it's to cool. see. Yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. like the perfect yeah. organization for yes. you to be affiliated yeah. with. And
1: I know Buddy came and ran the full yeah, day with you, right? Yeah, he came for a different occasion. Yeah, Buddy being the CEO, he wasn't the founder, he came in maybe like five or six years ago. Yeah, right? he came
0: in actually 2012. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Okay, a little mm-hmm. bit longer than I yeah. thought, yeah. Yes, um, I'm pretty sure that's when he came in and being an ultra runner and having him with yeah. me too, having ultra runners with you was a game changer because you are getting these little like tips that are helping you to last longer in the day to get these segments done quicker. And they pace you very well. And pacing doesn't mean to rush you to go faster, but they pace you where like these little idling time and things that you waste, you don't waste these anymore. Uh And did you have a bunch of ultra runners dropping in on you throughout the whole thing other than Robbie? uh, Robbie, Buddy, um, Noah, Noah was an ultra runner from Pennsylvania. There was not many ultra runners, uh-huh. but a lot of runners. People actually yeah. are running, and people who weren't running and they came out to put their body through uncomfortable situation to help you. It makes you feel really grateful that people are doing that for you. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, you've had other mentors as well. I watched a video where I think maybe Jim Shark produced this video mm-hmm. where you did a Zoom call with Ross Edgeley. Oh yeah, Ross, who's like the best. Ross. right? <laughs> yeah, he, he's the English that. Channel. Yeah, I mean, he's a friend. That guy. I mean, yeah. talk about another. Beast, who's also just a font of positivity at all times. And he said something really interesting to you, which is that from his perspective, the differentiator was gonna be Belle. Yeah, like he was right. And he was right about that. He was a thousand,
0: when he told me, I knew that she was gonna be a big help no matter what, but he was like super hundred percent right. It was just, Without her, I don't even know. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's the difference between I think we might be still on the road right now. So yeah. trying to get back to Jimmy. She New didn't York City.
1: come out with you for the to LA, did she? No,
0: she didn't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would have liked to have met. Yeah. Her. We'll we'll meet up for sure mm. with her one day. Yeah.
1: Well, uh it's one thing, you know, I've had Robbie on the show, obviously. I also had Ricky Gates on, who shared his experience running across America yeah. self-supported, which is a very yes. different thing. Um, but a key difference here is that these are two white dudes, yeah. right? And they're they're out there, they're vulnerable, mm-hmm. they're in parts of the world, you know, and they're in so many ways, if you're gonna do this, you're relying on the kindness of strangers, yeah. right? Yeah. You're, as far as I know, you're the first yeah. black person yeah, to do to, this. To right? do this
0: solo, yeah. So, um, I did research to figure out, so back in the, I think 1928, there were these, uh, I think it was four, three or four runners, I'm not sure. So, they were running across the country, but. They were doing a, a relay. So it was. Right. It used to be a
1: race. Yeah, it was like a, a race. Yeah. yeah it was, it's literally called black Race America or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: they're actually kicking out some of the, the black runner, color runners. They're like, you're not doing this. Oh, but they did a, a thing where it was a, a relay. So, like, let's say me and you did a relay together, mm-hmm. you do a certain amount of distance. So, I'm the first solo black person in the history of the country to run from LA to New York city. Did you know yeah. that going into this? Going into it, I had a conversation with Robbie. Robbie actually brought up to me say, "Hella, I don't know, I think you might be the first. I haven't seen And Robbie was making sure he was doing his research. Mm-hmm. So, we don't come out and make such statement and it's not true. But um, yeah, I, I I started thinking about it as, a, as I was going and that's when I kind of got a little nervous with some of the things that's happening in the country. So, I asked Robbie, so I called him one day, I said, hey, what was your biggest fear? So in my mind, I wasn't even thinking um, anything else, but I was just thinking about being a a color person. So he was telling me about the dog situation right away. And I brought up the the whole, like should I feel not safe for who I am? Mm -hmm. And then I knew that was something that I was concerned of. And you can see why you were concerned about it when you're in a certain part of the country. But overall, I tried not to put my energy into. It. So my mentality is, if you put your energy into something, that's what's gonna happen. You're gonna manifest it. So you're just, it. yeah, you're coming into just positive people. And I would say majority of that, 95% of the time, that's what that was the case. Right. Yeah. You did have a few run-ins. Though. Yeah, I had a few run-ins. Um, the the first one actually happened in Oklahoma, which was really scary for me, uh, as I so. Th- when we were in California and Arizona, I've had these awesome police officers. Hey, you're the guy on TikTok. I saw you on Instagram, can I take a picture with you? I remember this officer, I saw him one day outside of Flagstaff, Arizona. And then 30 miles later, he saw me the next day. He goes, whoa, you're really making progress. And he asked um, Bill, is it okay if I stop Hella to take a picture, is he gonna Uh be mad? And I was like, no, I'm not gonna be mad. So he came in, I was like, yes, thank you so much. I was always taking pictures with them. And one of the officers coming in Oklahoma, and I, I thought it was a similar thing. Maybe they know what I'm doing. So I'm excited, I'm running. Actually, I was cruising that day. I'm like, I have my stick, I'm like smiling. And then I see the officer come out. I thought he knew what I was doing, mm. but everything kind of got serious immediately. I can see it. So he just said, hey, sir, I, I just got a phone call. There's a runner in the world. What are you doing out here? And with uh, the seriousness of the voice, I was like, I don't think he's very happy right now. And Immediately. Was said, it a busy road? I mean, a charitable interpretation nah. would be that, you know, like, why is this guy out yeah. here? Like it's it, unsafe. It was in the middle of nowhere not much traffic mm. to a point where like Belle could be next to me for most of the time. If anything, she's a little behind or a little ahead. It wasn't that busy. It was in the middle of nowhere with the next time being five miles ahead of me. And immediately he said, I got a phone call. There's a runner, what are you doing out here? What's the point of this? And I said, oh, I'm actually running across the country. He said, for what? So why got me scared when he put his hand on his gun? And then, you know, there's like a clip. Yeah, and yeah, then the little buckle. So I started panicking and I put my stick up. I said, oh, this is just a, a, a running pole. It helps me get up the hills and see, I'm wearing my safety vest. I want people to see me. I'm doing it for a nonprofit. And I just started telling the story and I started waving Bell in. And I was scared to wave Bell in early because I didn't want him to think that You're I'm getting I'm, I'm getting help. Mm-hmm. And now he has to be um, protective of himself. So I was scared. So I kind of waited even a little longer to wave her in because she was actually thinking later to find out. She thought. It was just an officer just seeing if I was okay because it's been the case. And then I see these couple far uh, and these um, two couples. And I, I was like, this is weird. I think they're waiting for me. So they got impatient with my interaction with the police officer. At that point he was asking, can I see your ID? Say, "Well, my ID is in my RV five miles ahead, I got to get to that. And then he said, what's your birthday? Give me your name. And he's just started asking me all these things. He was a little annoyed, but these couple came in, um, these white couple came in and they're like, are you Hella? or some told us about you, we were tracking you down, we wanna donate. They had a money for me, they wanna take pictures. Then I see the officer buying into the story. I can just see, he's like, oh, he is actually doing this for real. Like you literally can see it. And I was like, thank God these people came in so they can attest to what I'm doing because they've been tracking and following me. And I was waving Bella at that point. So she came in, she would come with her camera all the time to get content. And the officer asked me in the end, can I also get a picture? Yeah, and I was like, it just turned it turn wow. into a positive. And I was yeah. like, thank God that happened. That was scary. Um, it's
1: kind of heavy, man. Yeah, It's heavy that this, you know, that a couple of white people had to come in yeah. and, in order for this guy to feel okay about yeah. what was happening.
0: And when he left, it hit me, I was shook. I couldn't move for like 10 minutes. I was on the side of the road. I was like, wait, because I just started thinking, why was he touching his gun? And the reason I raised my pull, cause I'm thinking I hope no one thinks that's a weapon or a rifle, I don't know. So Mm -hmm. you just start thinking all these things. So I was shook a little bit and that was um, tough. And also, and actually in uh, around in California, I had this lady, (laughs) Uh, I think the lady was a little cuckoo. She, this lady goes by in a Jeep and she offered me water. She said, hey, do you want some water to drink? I said, oh no, I'm good. Thank you. That's my support car. actually, I got my water in there. And this lady also is coming out. You was screaming at that car for offering me water. And then she goes, what do you think you're doing? I said, I'm running across the country. She said, for what? I said, for a nonprofit called Soul for Soul. She goes, well, that's bullshit. You're about to get cut up now. I was like, wait, is she joking? So I was like, Belle, wait, wait, wait. She's across the mm -hmm. street. I was like, Belle, wait, wait. I don't know if she's joking or not, unlock the car. And then I'm across the street and she's on the other side. And she started charging sprinting. And there was a gentleman next to her. She's like, come. I thought it was her boyfriend. She's calling her dog to come. So I just sprinted into the car and Belle did a U-turn. It was the fastest U-turn I've ever seen her do. And we just whipped around and she started to chase the car. And I see her in the. I'm turning around. She's chasing the car and we, she couldn't keep up. So I was kind of, I was thinking in my head, there's no way she can catch me right now. My leg was good enough to run faster than her. But I'm like, if she has a weapon or a gun, I can't run that. So we called an officer and we waited two hours. Um, the nearest officer was like almost an hour away. So we waited two hours. Uh, officer Liker, that was her last name. She's so close. Cool. Like, oh, Liker, I like that last name. She came and escorted us. And by the time she got there, they were gone. But we just wanted to be safe and uh, to get through that area. Mm-hmm. So that That's, was in California. That was in California in the beginning. Oh and a lot of people were warning us to be careful there. Yeah. Uh, And last sad story, uh, i don't like to talk about sad stories so much was uh, Missouri. Missouri was one of those states where it was to begin with, I was already like, I don't like Missouri because there's snakes, literally. People were asking me, have you seen any snakes? I was like, no, there's snakes nowhere. And we get into Missouri, snakes on side of the roads, on the grass, everywhere in front of you, you can see roadkill It was really sad to see that. Mm. So I'm like, I don't wanna, one of them jumped in front of me too and I panicked and scream and just took off. So that was already in the back of my mind. I'm running, I'm like looking at the side of the road. I hope there's no snake. And I go by Owensville High School um, and school was just getting, I was around 2.30, 2.40 p.m. All a bunch of kids pulling out of the parking lot. Mm. So um, me, whenever I see cars, I would always wave. Like I said, just give good energy. Some cars won't kind of, they kind of move so, so far over, even over the white line, you feel like you're gonna get hit. So I'm always trying to keep tight and also waving at people. Um, I'm here, but also, hey, I, hi, how are you doing? And I see these uh, this truck pulls and then it was a bunch of teenagers, bunch of boys in the back of the truck. And the pickup truck has a window that rolls down in the back windshield. So I saw one of the kids stick their head out and call me the N word. I was so shocked. I was like, wait, did this just happen? So I'm just like, come on, what was the point of this? So Belle across the street thought they were gonna hit me because sometimes that happens. So she just honks all the time to warn people. She just thought it was one of those. And they just, and the kid ducks down and floors it and just took off. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure a parent saw it because she definitely felt bad. She came back around to wave at me and basically mm. say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry that happened. So that happened in, uh, in Missouri. So that was really, and I got flipped off a little bit in Missouri prior to that. So that was not a fun day in Missouri. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry yeah. that that happened.
1: But overall people were charitable oh, and
0: What I realized is awesome. so many more good yeah. people in the world than bad. And it it makes you feel like we have a promising world because so many awesome people that don't even know who I am are offering me water. They're offering me rides to a point where like I was denying rides. One lady comes to me and say, well, I won't tell anybody. And I was like, no, that would be cheating. Like that's how good people were Mm -hmm. bringing Gatorade. They're like, well, I saw you. I'm like, you're running, you're doing, you're not just running a few miles. It looks like you're going somewhere far. So they were bringing me water and so many, it's cool. good people, so many, yeah.
1: yeah. Did you watch uh, Ricky Gates's documentary, Cross Country?
0: No, I don't know if I saw that oh, you one. Could, you gotta no. check it out. Yeah.
1: I mean, because he was doing it self-supported. Yeah, um, oh, he was the, the one holding him. the, the. Sh- yeah, the yes, yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. it, yes, I right. saw it, mm-hmm. I and, did. And so much of that movie, it's not about like, it's less about the running part and it's so much about these encounters that he has yeah. with all these people along the way. And there's like one guy who wants to give him money and like yeah. part of, the impetus for him doing that run when he did it was, you know, being this like liberal progressive guy yeah. who grew up in Boulder, you know, in Colorado or whatever. Oh, yeah. He did and, a
0: Transamericana. And, and yeah, exactly. that was, yeah, yeah. I yeah, saw the Trans- whole American, I watched yeah, exactly. yeah, I watched that so many times. Yeah.
1: Um, he wanted to really get a feel for what America actually is, is outside yeah. of your Twitter feed or yeah. what you see in your respective, you know, information silo. Uh-huh. So I'm curious, you know, outside of these, these, bad experiences that you've had, like what your take is on the temperature of America. Like we're gonna share this on July 4th weekend. Uh We're celebrating America. America is in a situation right now that I would characterize as transitionary at best. Like We're very divided and we're struggling with our ability to communicate with each other effectively. There are different worlds out there yeah. that see things very differently. And it's easy when you're staring at a screen and kind of taking account of what people are saying online mm-hmm. to form an opinion of what's actually happening. It's a very different thing altogether than to be seeing, like, I'm here on the ground and yeah. I went all the way across America and yeah. I had conversations with all of these people. And this is what, you know, my perspective is as a result of having had that experience. Yeah.
0: I think a thousand percent America is much better than we see on social media. A hundred percent. I really like, it's just, there've been many days where are so filled with love and you really like to feel love, like it's the energy. We're literally sitting in the RV in awe, like, wow, this just happened. We saw a biker go by and then she asked Garrett in the RV what I was doing. She baked vegan cookie, make sure it was vegan. Cause she wanted to research on me uh-huh. and came in to even tell us the ingredient too so we can trust her and <laughs> came in and found us at a rest stop and uh-huh. in, uh, wow. in the Navajo reservation. And um, she was a, a doctor or a nurse people are giving, like you said, money, literally giving money, oh, you're doing it for this, here's money, here's cash. And it's so much more better, so much positivity and love and caring that I personally felt than I saw from being in New Jersey Mm. and being there, you see it for yourself. And you can see some of these people don't even have much and they're still trying to make effort to make me feel better, to to donate, to support. Someone was even say, hey, you look like you can have some lunch when I was running across the country. I was like, no, I'm good. He said, just take it. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna donate this money exactly to the nonprofit I'm running for it. And he goes, it's perfect. Never seen me, doesn't know who I am, what I do, but they just wanted to help. And seeing that, that's what I said, we have a really promising future. That's cool. Yeah. That's
1: encouraging yeah. It's
0: It's beautiful, it is. And I said, 95% of the people, 97 that we've run into, it was all nothing but positive energy and love different background, different race, different gender or whoever had they wanna be accepted as. But you just felt like you were just one. And I would ask people questions without comes and run with me. And I realized we're all the same. We all have the same goal. We have passion, dreams and goals we wanna accomplish. We wanna be able to take care of ourselves, our family and friends. And it's just in a different way. So it's, I think we are doing a lot better than what we see right now. That's to my personal opinion. Yeah. I hope so. Uh Well, talk to me about the vegan diet thing. It's It's a whole other like layer to this story. So, me going vegan over five years now, it's five years um, late February. So, uh, Belle went vegetarian the year before. We watched earthlings together. Mm. She's bawling her eyes out. She said, I can never eat animals. So, she went vegetarian. So, I grew up in West Africa, Mali, where I've seen people sacrifice cows, sheep, and even was part of holding the legs for it to happen as a child. They make you do that. And you're basically forced into this culture of meat eating without even having a choice to. And that didn't do anything to me watching Earthlings. And then when I went back to look at it I'm like, man, I was sick to to watch this and not change my life. I was even sad watching it. But fast forward to a year later, she wanted me to watch this documentary called Forks Over Knives. So I said, let's just do it. I got to start listening to her because every time I listen to do something, it ends up being amazing. And. Uh, we watch it with <laughs> it. What is that? <laughs> I don't know, she's just amazing. Uh-huh. She's incredible. So 20 minutes into Forks Over Knives. I remember this vividly. I looked at her with my mouth dropped. She goes, are you okay? I said, I don't think I'm okay. Cause I don't think I could ever eat meat for the rest of my life, but I'm scared. I don't know what to eat. And she said, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. So we went vegan together, cold turkey. So I made a decision right then on, I'm never eating animal. seeing what it does to people, seeing professional athlete being on plant-based and, doing their stuff at the elite level. And I'm an immature, if they can do it at an elite level, why can I not survive being who I am and not eat animal? So I became vegan for selfish reason. Mm. And um, now it's more than that, it's more ethical for me too as well. So I'm glad it took that for me to realize what's happening in the world, even our climate, whatever. But the only thing I regret about going vegan, being plant-based is I didn't do it soon enough. Mm.
1: That's the only thing. Yeah, it's interesting. So you were doing it before the run
0: streak. Yeah, the run when streak. When you were still yeah.
1: in the professional soccer
0: world. Yeah, I was actually right when I turned vegan, I went to play in Oklahoma City for the Oklahoma City Energy. They're in the USL, um, the lower division, just the division below MLS. And I got there, I used to get kicked out of practice. I'm not kidding you. Whoa. I had this energy that my body just started feeling and I just couldn't explain it. And my teammate would look at me, are you crazy hell what's going on with you? I remember one game at the locker room Halftime, one of our teammates goes, if you come in this locker room, you don't feel like you haven't left everything on. field, you're not exhausted, that means you didn't play. So I humbly raised my hand. I said, I disagree with that because every game I've been giving all my all, but I still feel like I can play a second game. That's how much energy my body just felt. So just because I don't feel tired, doesn't mean I didn't leave it all out on the field that energy started convincing my teammates to go plant-based. They're like, how to do this? I just don't eat animal. My recovery time is quicker and things like that. And I can feel it. How yeah. long before you had that experience? It, it was after like making the switch. I switched um, a month later, I went to Oklahoma to play. It was like about a month later. Wow. Yeah, literally switch in February, all March and the first of April, I was in Oklahoma. So
1: recovery times are better, quicker. not running out of energy,
0: yeah. not like
1: petering out yeah. in the fourth quarter or second, late w- second half or as whatever.
0: Being young, we would be up to two, three in the morning. We wake up, everybody's exhausted. Like, I don't know how we're gonna survive practice. I'm like, I feel like I got enough rest. And then when I started seeing them I'm like, why? I think it's my diet, it has to be. Mm. Cause I was a big chicken person. In fact, I'd have leftover chicken from night and eat it as breakfast at morning, like eight, nine uh-huh. in the morning, which is really. They want to kick you out of practice. I, yeah, my, so coach, my coach would be like, hey, Hela, <laughs> you're done for the day. Cause the second team that doesn't play a lot, they practice longer to get more fitness and game underneath them. Oh, cause I would, you had to play. He didn't want to burn you out. Yeah, that's why I got kicked out of practice. So I would go join them to do extra practice. my coach would, or like a, a easy day where we don't play much. And I want to stay long He's like, Hela, you're done. Mm. You have a game in two days and I want to stay, but I always get kicked out. Cause I had that energy with me. Um, I think because of, yeah, playing base."
1: Do you know this soccer agent called Darren Flickcroft? Heard of him? Heard yeah, of him? Yeah, he's a yeah. friend of mine. But oh, he's really? Super plant based. Oh, wow.
0: And That's he's cool. A,
1: you know, he's a big mucky muck in the yeah. soccer agenting world. Yeah. Or whatever. But he's like gung ho plant based yeah. guy.
0: Yeah. And a fun fact, actually. So my neighbor Samuel and uh, his girlfriend Roberta Groner, who actually was ranked in Doha for a marathon, and so she was ranked sixth in the world. Wow. So they saw. I kind of started telling them about the. The whole vegan thing. thing. So they surprised me with your book, Plant Power. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I was literally consuming your book. Oh, good. Before the Transcontinental. Oh, that makes me feel yeah, good. I have your book at home. So <laughs> they gave it to me as a gift. I don't know if it was for my birthday last mm. November, but it was, uh, they say, here's a book. I was, oh, rituals. I, I didn't know you had that book. So superfood. So I, there's a chapter with the superfoods. So I was just saying, okay, hello, you're training to run across the country now. Yes, you're a vegan. So now let's add more superfoods because now, you wanna be, you're doing something that your body is not oriented. used to. So I need the food. So again, thank you for you're very having that out there no, for I'm, all the plant-based people I out there. I was able
1: to contribute yeah. some small yeah. thing to this from, from yeah. afar. So what did, the daily nutritional situation looked like when you were running across the country?
0: Uh, so my, uh, I had a uh, uh, sponsors uh, Vivo Life, which is a uh, mm-hmm. 100% vegan on their right. matters for the living. They're like out of the UK. Right? Yeah, UK, yeah. yeah, for the living. And the reason I wanted to work with them because they plant trees every time someone buys something. So over 250,000 trees in a year from their sales. So they kind of asked me, Hella, can you write out all the stuff you eat? So there was a nutritionist there. So I kind of did and they kind of put that in together and I told them what I want to eat. Some of the stuff I looked at in your book, this is what I want to get myself. So we were doing like a practice feeling like stuffing Mm -hmm. myself, being uncomfortable, running with food in my hand to eat and train that. And so my biggest thing was bagel, I love bagel but I got sick of bagels. So, yeah. But I was eating a lot of the, the rice. It's hard bowl. to eat. Well, you can pour water on them yeah. and they go down easier. Yeah, a but little bit. While you're running, running you yeah. a dry bagel. I don't yeah. know about that. Yeah, exactly. So I was eating a lot of the rice bowls, the, the fresh veggies, avocado. Bell was really creative with the food to make me more interested in it because my appetite would change. I'd be obsessed with certain food within a few days. I can't even look at it or smell it. So we were eating a lot of whole foods and a lot of green, everything you can imagine and hydrating with electrolyte, mostly then Mm -hmm. water, yeah. Did you have a Vitamix on the RV? Uh, We had a a blender, but not a Vitamix because Uh we were scared, is it gonna be able to power it? Yeah, because it requires a little bit more power, power,
1: but then you use a normal blender, it's not the same thing. Yeah, it's not the same thing, yeah. Yeah. How much of the intake was liquid versus like
0: solid food? Actually, I'm actually surprised. I was eating more solid than liquid. So my liquid, biggest liquid would be at nighttime. So we would do a Ben and Jerry vegan ice cream where she would pour that with oat milk, a thousand calories. The Ben and Jerry was 990 calories and with oat milk, I'd get over a thousand calories. Blend it, I eat my dinner and I just chug (laughs) that. So I was getting- The s- Ben and Jerry's vegan ice cream. Yeah, yeah. that was the the best for, for me, for liquid. Uh-huh. And then uh, we started having the electrolytes that has calories in it to drink that, to making sure that when I'm drinking electrolyte, I'm not just drinking for the electrolytes, but I'm getting some calories off of it Yeah, as well, so. And what kind of heart rate were you maintaining? I was trying, my goal was, keep it below 140, mm-hmm. do that. So, people below will come- zone zone
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know what your thresholds
0: are. Yeah, people will come run with me and then they kind of start pulling away. So, I'd be like, don't do it, hella. Mm. Because you have yeah, to yeah, yeah. not just survive today, you have tomorrow and the next and the You're next here. <laughs> yeah, they're just here for the day. <laughs> yeah. Cause then they don't do it on purpose. They just like kind of, it just, you just drift away. Some, when it's a group of people and I just stayed behind. I said, yeah, you guys can keep going. I'll see you when I, when I see you. But how was the sleep? I couldn't sleep. That was the problem. Yeah. I'd always wake up tossing and turning at night. It wasn't because the RV bed was uncomfortable. I thought that was the most comfortable bed, but it's just that you, I just can't sleep. I wake up at two in the morning up for two hours and I'd fall asleep. The alarm is ringing six 30, you gotta get up. So I think on average, I got less than five hours of sleep <sighs> the whole time. Yeah. For the 84 days. Were you days. wearing like a whoop or any kind of tracker that could give you some data? On I just use my, my Garmin mm-hmm. and um, I used to wear whoop, but I didn't bring the whoop with me. Um, I used to have that, but I just used the garment and just went off of, because to me, even when I was using Whoop, it would tell me to take a day off. And there's no day off for me. <laughs> your and strain score yeah, is, Garmin, t- is 20 plus today. Yeah, time, to, time to give it a rest. Yeah, That's Exactly.
1: Not, the, not what you want to hear. <laughs> yeah, I love 47 miles ahead of you.
0: Exactly. I love my Garmin. I think is the best, precious I've done. Mm-hmm. It does everything that I need to do. It also tells me all these numbers that I needed to know for my body. Oh. But every time I start to start a run, it says, I'm a suggestion <laughs> to rest. <your> day off. <laughs> yeah. And it will say, tick, and it will say to meet uh-huh. your fitness goal, tick. 12 days off, 15, I'm like, wait, I can't do this. There's no day off in this, you gotta uh-huh. get, get up and going. So the that's the technology funny. will tell you, hey, you're doing too much train, but right. you just gotta keep pushing through. I was talking to, did you follow the Iron Cowboy? Oh, ah, he's hundred, amazing, James, I know. talked to him. Did you talk to him? Yeah, I talked to James, he, he actually DM me too. And then I was, he's like, he congratulated me. I'm like, wait, look, oh, did you know what cool. you just did? Yeah, and I was trying to see if I can, we were thinking, oh, is he gonna be in my path? So I joined him. And then we realized he's in Utah. So yeah. that was out of the question. So when I got back, I was trying to see if I can get to him and do some miles with him, but I didn't get the chance. But I'm like, maybe I want to meet him one day.
1: Yeah, Hopefully. I can hook that up
0: for you. I, yeah. I
1: showed up on day 91. And I saw that, I was day, so jealous. I'm like, oh, um, Rich is there. It was with, pretty fun. Yeah.
0: But he was telling me,
1: cause I asked him about his sleep as well. And uh-huh. he said that uh, his sleep is terrible. It uh-huh. was terrible during this thing. He would have night sweats and night terrors. Uh-huh. And he would sleepwalk like he was all jacked up. Like he, would, he's like, I never have nightmares or night terrors, but yeah. it was like a really weird thing. So yeah. he, even though he would be flat on his back, he wasn't really actually sleeping because yeah. his body was so traumatized
0: it, by what he was it putting was it through. It was in for me too. Yeah, I, can, I can't even imagine for him because he's, he's just incredible doing all that, getting up and repeating. And you know, what's fascinating to me about what he did for me, what made it very fun too, you know you're making progress. I'm going East no matter what, every mile is counting, kind of, except some days when you're climbing up, you're like, ah, oh, I'm not even going East yet but he has to do his in the same area right. over. It would be like you over. waking
1: up in your house in New Jersey and yeah. then doing a 40 to 50 yeah. mile loop I think every day. I think huge the same loop. props
0: to him mentally just to be able to sustain that because you're in the same area, it's not changing. It gets, it can get boring, it could be whatever. And he still did it. And he wanted 101, he went the next I day. Yeah. I saw that I'm like, what's happening? Good Cause he for just him. wanted to blow people's minds. Yeah. You know? And, he, and he the did. point I mean.
1: is made that even when you meet your goal, like even when you do the thing that you and probably nobody else thought was possible, yeah. you still have more in you.
0: Exactly. There's always one more. Yeah. There's always one more. And with this transcontinental, what I really learned is we're, I knew this, but like we're really much stronger than we think we are. Yeah. When you're put in an uncomfortable situation, you'll find a way out if you have no option. So you, my mentality is get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And this is what really taught me. So if anyone who's struggling with anything right now, just stick to it. Cause eventually there'll be a turning point. You just have to fight through, fight the day. And there's been many days where I'm just like survive today. I don't care about tomorrow, or what happened yesterday, just survive today. So, it comes down to that.
1: So, when you would have those days, when you would wake up and Mm -hmm. you're like, there's no way I can do it. Walk me through (laughs) the mantra or how you
0: get yourself
1: into the mindset to be able to put one foot in front of the other.
0: First, it's been cold majority of the time. So, when you get up in the warm RV, you do not wanna get out, literally. And I'm like, I don't wanna go, I would get up. This is the time I actually, I guess, when you ask the question, have you had your breaking point where you just, I would just talk to them like, I don't wanna go. When I'm saying that, I'm not even joking. I'm like, like, I don't wanna go, I can't do this. I don't wanna do, it. I keep repeating it. And then I would say, hella, stop, wait a minute, because you keep saying this, your, your mind is just gonna keep bullying, your body's gonna react to it. But more, a lot of the morning I just get up, I'm just like, I don't wanna do this. I don't wanna go. And then I'm like, souls for souls, souls for souls. Then I keep repeating that in my head, but getting out of the RV was the toughest. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 even the hardest part after that, when Bell brings me to where I dropped the pin where we ended the run. And we, I would always make a sign and put arrow, NYC, and we see a, a street. If I finish my miles and I don't see any street, I keep going till I see the next street sign and we drop a pin just to make sure we're there. When she brings me to drop me after the next morning, getting out of that, leaving the warm car, I like, I wanna <laughs> cry. <laughs> I wanna cry. But as soon as you start going, then you're like, okay, this is not too bad. But that was Mm. the hardest to get up and get out. And was
1: there one specific low moment that
0: sticks out like your lowest
1: moment? Two lowest moments for me
0: was the first full day in Arizona. I got into Arizona at a later day where that night I finished but the first full day in Arizona, it was a switchback. Mm. And I gained 3000 feet in six miles, which is really weird. Think about that. 3000
1: feet in six miles. Yeah. Yeah, How's that lot, possible? That's a lot of gain.
0: Yeah, and then it was, uh, so the, the goal, the, the thing was mentality for me is fall off the cliff or get hit by a car. That was like the only two option for me. I felt like it was, and it really was until we had to put me in front of Belle's car and she was holding up traffic. And I'm just in front of her, if you can get around when you have the opportunity to go ahead, if not, you're gonna have to wait, like having her go at six miles an hour in front of me. So it was a switchback in Arizona where I'm just climbing and there's this cliff. You see cars that fell in off of this cliff. You see them there, like old cars. Down rusted. The ravine. It, 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 I don't even remember the mountain name. It's, I can't believe, I can't think of it right now, but it was our first day and we keep climbing and I went through everything. I went through rain, I went through hail, snow, wind, all season within that, getting out of that mountain. And I was in there for like 13, 14 miles, but the first six miles, I think I again, over 3000. And it was basically, to a point where like, I felt like I'm going up, someone is pulling me back and you're gonna fall backward. And you hunch to, to use your pull to get you up there. And the cars, it was dangerous for her, even with the cars. And I see yeah. these cars coming down and you can see cars on top, like look like a stair. So how did they get up there? And you just see how steep it is. And we Google later, why do they have switchbacks? That's even to help with the elevation. That's not, yeah, it's that too day.
1: steep to go straight. Yeah,
0: I killed my knee really like bad. Was that badly. when you were still trying to run the hills? Yeah, I was still in You're the running. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm,
0: yeah, that's what what did it for me. Uh-huh. And Missouri, there's a raining day, where 15 mile an hour head crosswind, and I would get out. It was freezing cold. I would get so, like soaked in water in my shoes. I can feel puddles in my shoes within two three minutes, and the, I couldn't move forward. I'm trying to progress forward. I can't move forward. It was very really, stressful and I would get into the RV to get out cause I'm shivering to get, I can't even get worn by running to get out of my wet clothes, to get into new clothes, which was a bad idea because as soon as I step outside, it felt like I didn't even change. Mm. And that was tough. Um, that was like really tough for me. That's the day Bill went on Instagram and said, hey, hell is struggling today. Cause I want people to look at the reality. It's not always sunshine and rainbows. Um, if you guys just wanna send him a message, he'll probably appreciate it. I'm glad she did that cause seeing people come in yeah. Sending me a message was really cool, but those two days I'll never forget. Cause that was, that's wild, yeah, man. those two days was tough. What's the recovery
1: routine? You have the Norma Tech boots. Yeah, Norma you was- You have a Theragun yes, or the Hyper
0: Ice. A, a Hyper Ice um, um, massage gun uh-huh. and, and the Norma Tech boot is really nice. And I had a machine called Kelvy. So I don't know if you've heard of Kelvy. Uh-huh. Ooh, I gotta get you hooked to Kelvy. What is that? So Kelvy, have you ever heard of a uh, game ready? It's like ice and water, how they mm. wrap your like. So Kelvy is a machine that can go to 106 degrees within two seconds. And that can freeze to 39 degrees within four seconds. Whoa. And it could so contrast. you alternate back and forth between you can, cold and You hot. can do contrast, it'll go hot for three minutes, cold for two minutes, or as you can switch the times, or you can just keep it on cold the whole time or hot. So that was really helping me with recovery. Mm. And every time I Are cheated- they like boots, like Normatec? Um, they're not boots, it's like a, a console and it has like this wrapping where you can wrap around your knee, your ankle. Oh, wow. So it's completely different than Normatec. But every time I cheated Norma Tech, I felt it. Every time I didn't put it on, I'm like, why did you do this hell? Like, you know, when you don't do it, you, you're paying mm. for it. So many nights when Those I- things work. It works, it's magic. It feels like you have a new leg. Mm-hmm. So I had this time in the day at 2 p.m., 2.30 where I put on Norma So that's when I really cruise from 36 miles all the way to 47. Sometimes I would do that, I've done that many times, actually nonstop without breaking. Mm. I would just go straight for it from 36 to 47 right. to call my day, yeah.
1: but more often than not taking a Norma Tech break in the middle of the day for a little reboot.
0: Yeah, it's a huge reboot, yeah. it really is. So, I was so happy that I had that wow. to my availability.
1: So, now that you have this in the rear view mirror, like what else did you learn about human possibility? Like what, 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 where did your mind change from before to yeah. after in yeah. terms of how you see yourself and how you kind of think about possibility in general? So,
0: I always like, Sometimes we sit there, we're like, wait, I just ran across the country. So you, it, it hasn't gotten old to me. I hope it doesn't. You just kind of realize that we're not limited. And I think of Eli Kipchoge, when he used to say there's no human, he still says that no human is limited. And sometimes, like, yeah, we're not limited. And I truly believe that because you find your limit and you break it. I cannot run Eli Kipchoge marathon time. It took him 20 some years to get there, but I have my limit, but I can break that and find another limit. If I want to do that, I have to spend years on it. So it really reinforced that we are not limited. We have a limit right now within ourselves, but we can reach that breakthrough and find the next limit. So I feel like I found my limit doing this and I broke through it because there was time where I thought it was impossible. I even thought hundred days was not even enough for me. And then now I broke through that limit and now it makes me think that I can do other things. So I want to do level 100. I That's do. I've done thing. that. I'm, I want to do that, and I'm gonna actually train. Are you gonna show up on August 21st when I, I feel. Like, turns I, feel like, line? I feel like that I might did. be a little too soon. <laughs> <laughs> my body is not still there yet, um, but I want to focus my time. I actually go in the mountains and train. So it, it really makes you feel like we are much stronger than when we than we think we are. And whenever you think you're as strong as this, you're stronger than even that. So if I'm thinking I can do this, I can even go beyond that. Just always mm-hmm. think even beyond that because you'll be able to do it even if it takes a little longer than someone else has done it whatever but you'll be able to find the power and the will to get through it just like the iron cowboy doing 101 incredible yeah. i cannot wait to meet james i i want to i want to ask him some questions and things like that. All stuff introduce you, that guys. you in. Yeah.
1: Talk to me about the mantra that's on the t-shirts and the, I wanna talk about the bus too, the yeah. bus. <laughs> no that was day, really
0: cool. This this
1: uh, phrase, no matter the no circumstances. No matter the circumstances, like, circumstances. What is that about? Like, why did you hone in on that? Being yeah. kind of like the touchstone or the moniker for yeah. the adventure.
0: So when I started my run streak, I said, you're gonna go outside and run 10 minutes a day, no matter the circumstances, whether that's the weather, whatever it is, If you, I, had, I was still having a nine to five you want to get up early and run before work or you want to run after work. So no circumstances is going to prevent you from getting out there. So the mentality was no matter the circumstances from LA to New York city, whatever happens, you got to make it happen. And to a point I was thinking, even if I have to crawl like a baby on my hands and knees, if that's the only way I'm going to move forward, it might take 200 days now, but I have to make it happen. So that's where no matter the circumstances, I wanted to preach that to everybody. Every single day I said, because if we want to do something, we can make it happen. So we, still, we just got to push through whatever, Circumstances come our way, good or bad, because circumstances doesn't always have to be bad. It could be like, oh, I'm at a party. It's a great circumstance right now, (laughs) but you gotta get your work in no matter the circumstances, you gotta get out there and push through.
1: Have you always been this guy who's inspiring everybody around him? Did
0: you mature into this? I mean, when you were a kid, were you like this? Where does this come from? I think the fact that I grew up in West Africa, um, I really quickly grasp on, I have it really good. I have my best friends, kids my age that are in Africa that will do anything to be in my position. Mm. So what's not there to be happy about in life? Like to me right now, what is life? I'm sitting across from the ritual talking. So there's little things and little moments in my life that I think about or major moments in my life that I think about, no matter I'm going through any little tough time I say, come on, Hella, just a time frame that's gonna go by. So what really makes me um, push through anything and just always have a smile on when there was times where I was really struggling, nothing was going my way. And I thought that was the end of everything. I literally thought like, there's, your future is done. You have nothing to look forward to. And I'm sitting here. So whenever I go through tough time, I just laugh. I say, remember that one time you thought this is it? Yeah. Look at that. And I vividly actually, when I signed my first professional contract in 2013, as a professional, you get paid, right? So imagine a professional that is signing a contract has no money in his bank account, even to eat. And you don't have the gut to reach out to family members, to friends, how are you gonna ask for money to go get grocery? You just signed a professional contract. So I remember one day playing in Seattle, I have a game coming up and I want to buy food. My car was declined. So I get home and I look at my bank account, I was $0. So I didn't know what to do. So I called my bank, I said, hey, uh, can you guys allow me to overdraft? I will get paid in two weeks because they would pay us bi-weekly. And I just want to overdraft, you can charge me the fee. And then the the lady that was with me said, no, I can't do that for you. So I said, please, I just allow me to do this. And she said, let me connect to a manager. So the manager came on and I wish I can find who he is today. But I talked to him, he goes, I'm not gonna allow you to overdraft. He said, you know why? Because if I allow you to overdraft, what happened if you don't pay? The fee adds up next thing, you know, you're gonna be negative and owe a lot of money. And he said, you know what I'll do? I'll give you $30 credit right now so you can go get food. So I went to go get a week worth of grocery. I had like an Aldi, it was cheap store. And I think about that day, because that day I was really like, I'm an athlete that have to perform, but I didn't have food. I couldn't even ask my teammates. And so thinking back to all those times, nothing really it adds more to you just want to smile because mm-hmm. I, you, I really have it good, I'm able to run every day realizing my dream, which is running every day. I have, it's a privilege of mine. I have two legs, I have two limbs, and even running every day is a privilege because there's people who can't walk, let alone run. And back in my mind, I'm doing it for them too. Yeah. It's not about me anymore. So I can not do anything, but be happy be excited. And it's life, life is really beautiful. Um, even though we have these little bumps along the way, but overall having people around you, family, friends, and having, because of social media, I have a big family now. Cause I'm like, I know all these people around the world cool people, I know mm. you, I know James now, I know all these incredible is just, you cannot smile, you really can't. That's beautiful, yeah. man. I love the
1: gratitude Thank and the you. appreciation. Yeah. It's very infectious. Too. Thank you. Yeah, does uh, the village back in Mali know what you've been doing? Like yeah. have you talked to anybody Actu- back
0: there? Actually, yeah, so the funny thing is my dad actually forbid me to run. He told me to say, hell, I forbid you to run. What is this run nonsense? He said that to me. <laughs> He literally said, "What? How is old this? were you when he told you that?" He told me this in 2018, uh-huh. running when I was just two years in, because I went back to Mali and I was still running. My sister's getting married. I was still get out mm-hmm. and get my running. And he said, "You're gonna." He would send me videos of people dropping dead, and in, uh, in in soccer matches and. And then he said, this is what running is doing too. And it's funny because he was the biggest supporter for me to play professional soccer. So I said, dad, what's the difference? If I was playing professionally, would you say the same thing? Because I'm still running. Um, It's just that maybe you like one versus the other. And he basically told me, I want you to stop this running sense. He never was supportive. And my mom was more like, I'm concerned for my child, don't hurt yourself kind of thing. But um, things turned around. And then my little brother would say, dad, I think Hella is doing something that, it's gonna be great because he's doing it for himself and other things. So now he's one of the biggest support. He said, uh-huh. "Hella, now I understand. He was so proud of the whole run across the country. He was so happy about it. In fact, he wrote a, a note to have my sister read it at the finish and basically saying, yeah. um, I have three PhDs, uh, my grandfather, Hella. that's who I was named uh-huh. after. He said he was a peasant, but he found a way to get out of the situation and make himself who he was before he passed. And then he said, you top all of us, you ran across the country. And he said, may the legend continue. And now he's like one of the biggest supporters. He goes, now I get it. And he goes, I don't even know where you got this genetic from, because it's not from me, because I can't run this much. He couldn't believe that I was doing that many, we're talking about 1.75 kilometer in kilometers a day. So now he's fully behind it. But now the whole country, basically most of the people that I know in Mali are like, wow, this is incredible. But the biggest part for me for to have like, kind of an understanding and not even have to be supportive, just understanding was my dad. And now he's, he's, all, he's, he's cool. all about it, yeah.
1: Well, given that he was such a tough sell, yeah. it's all the more meaningful, right? Yeah,
0: he was, he was not about it at all. He <laughs> was not, yeah. but now it's completely different. He's always saying like, oh, this is awesome, proud of you. And mm. then he's like, I saw this article. So now he kind of see the bigger picture that I always had a vision to do right. something for others Right. And I just about me. Now he can see that he wasn't
1: sold on the YouTube thing either.
0: Oh, oh yeah, YouTube. Yeah. No, no, at all. He, <laughs> he, in French, they say mannequin. Mannequin is basically like a model. He said, like, uh-huh. "What is this modeling stuff you're doing? Showing your body, running on YouTube? What is that? What is that going to do for you?" Yeah, he wasn't about that too. Now he, he binge-watched my YouTube videos. <laughs> he does. That's great. Yeah. Uh-huh. Even I make fun of my sister, there's no hard feeling at all. So, my sister, the reason I'm telling this story is because people are not gonna support you, even the closest ones to you, or are not gonna understand what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. My sister told me this Fadima, uh, she's listening to this, she knows it's all love. I love her, um, but I always joke around with her. She told me, Why don't you stop this stupid YouTube thing and get a real job? She said that to me one day. It really hurt because you're like, Man, this is someone that's closest to you, and then I was able to be to get my plane ticket to go to her wedding, which is like a last minute notice. It was a month before I'm getting married in Mali. Can you come? I use the YouTube money that we had it was not mine, it's Bella and I, we mm-hmm. do this together. She said, just deposit into your account. We've never touched anything from YouTube. It was just enough for a plane ticket. So I bought tickets to go to Mali. So when I got to Mali, I was like, Fadima, how sad would have been that? Your own brother couldn't make it to your wedding cause you couldn't afford it. But well, thank God for you too. <laughs> 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 so- uh we, she come we, around now too? Oh, no, she's been super supportive. Yeah. Um, it didn't take long for her to understand. That was in the very beginning stage. That's cool. Yeah, she, she even came with the finish line with her husband and my nephew.
1: And you're yeah. making it work yeah. in terms of like making a living
0: on YouTube, y- yeah. and
1: supporting yourself.
0: I, I, you've got these sponsor relationships. Yeah, which is really cool. Like I couldn't, like even I remember one day, actually I was laughing really hard and Bella's looking at me across the, the road doing the transcontinental. She said, are you okay? I was like, I'm just smiling because look at this. What is life? We're able to do this. We don't have to worry about anything. Like we we're good or we have food to eat. We have." a sponsored Gymshark that gave us a mobile home, the RV. We have a sponsor, people like that, or that's paying for our food. This is incredible. Why can't I not, like, I can't just yeah. stop smiling about it. So I am grateful to say because of my sponsors, I'm making a living, I'm, I can do this full time. I can travel around the world and we can create content anywhere we go. And what I let people understand is it's not even YouTube because for YouTube, for us, this is the truth about it. You don't really make enough on YouTube. Well, I mm-hmm. don't yeah. to live, you cannot. It's more there's about because of, I love- a lot
1: of illusion around yeah, that. Yeah,
0: like if it was for money in the beginning, we would have quit a long time ago. It's just, I love sharing my, my passion with people to let them know you can have your own journey, whatever, whether that's running or now or anything else and just stick to it and get it done. But what YouTube did for us is brought the opportunity to be signed by Jim Shark as their second ever runner and to be signed by Vivo Life. So those sponsors mm-hmm. allowed you to be able to be a little more right. flexible with yourself and, and yeah. at least make a living in terms of you can eat, you can have a roof over your head. And do the thing, yeah, do and the then, thing that yeah. you love, right? Exactly. Well,
1: those guys showed up for you. I mean, that bus on they, the final day. Talk, yeah, I got to talk about Jim like Really in, went all go out. Go to his Instagram yeah. or his YouTube. Yeah, and watch the final day. I mean, that bus is unbelievable. It's, it's like this party bus, just it's, cranking tunes. Yeah. And like there's people on it, yeah. you know, like they, riding into they the city. They had the
0: rap all done <laughs> and they did the RV too, uh-huh. the rap, the matter of the circumstance, and in French also, Quelques sortes circumstance. Mm. And they had that whole thing. They had, they had a permit to shut a whole street down in New York City. Right. They had police NYPD escort, they warned them to get us. And my town really showed up Rochelle Park, New Jersey. I had the town mayor yeah, shut up, the, the deputy mayor. I didn't know that was happening. I go around, I'm like, wait, is this for me? What's going on? The firefighter with a big American flag, which was a proud moment for me because no matter what America made me who I am now, because of America, I got the chance to, to me living the American dream because I came from a place where nothing was very promising and now I'm living the American dream. Mm. So when I saw that flag, it hit me hard, like a big flag. It, it, it was like bigger than, the, the whole fire truck, they had like a ladder holding it hang down. So seeing the town show up and having Gymshark support, Viva Life support is just, you always think, wow, what this is happening. And I, I was joking with everybody would ride I was like, should I run across the country again? Cause this is exciting. <laughs> just to see, the, <laughs> I'm gonna have to do this twice again. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it was cool seeing you go into Manhattan, yeah. the roads, did they were they shut down? Like what? which avenue were you going up where it was just so, a huge procession of you
0: guys in yeah. the bus? Yeah, so we turn, and onto second street. And then our bell call me and say, we're gonna have a police escort. So keep the left side of the road. I was like, okay, okay, we'll follow the rules. So we turn and this police officer just pull in front of us with the sirens and then wow. slowing like trap, like literally opening the road to us. So it just became a whole party, literally. The music is blasting from that. The bus that Gymshark had the cutoff top. And- You're dancing. We're dancing, yeah. everybody's basically dancing on the road because we would have to follow now the, the traffic light. So we get to a traffic light, we have to pause the run because the crossroads and the police would stop and we would stop and people would start dancing. Everybody bystanders, people are like recording, people are getting out of their car, like what's going on? They don't know what's going on. And it was just amazing. At one point, actually, we, we took over the whole street. No one could even drive on it. We stopped at a light. I saw this, the officer, the passenger officer comes out of the car, I'm like, oh, oh we're in trouble. He's gonna apply he to us to keep one sack because that's what I was instructed to. He comes out with his cigar. He goes, hey, gentlemen, I just wanna let you guys know we're about to make a left on 50th street. And that's where the finish line is. Uh-huh. And everybody started cheering because we were not in trouble. He literally came right. out, he basically- That's
1: New York cops, yeah. they're the best. Literally the best. Like he that,
0: came out yeah. to let us know that we're about to get to the finish line. Uh-huh. And I thought it was because we literally took over the whole road. We, it was. Amazing having everybody come in. And when I was doing that last run, I called Robbie. I said, hey, Robbie, I want you to be next to me. Cause I thought it was a full circle. I was there for his last day. He came out for me throughout the Transcontinental and he's there for my last day. I said, hey, Robbie, step up, let's go. And then I had Garrett, I said, Garrett, get up here. So Robbie was like, Garrett, get up. You can hear in the audio that, on the video, just wanted them to be in the front with me because mm-hmm. it was really special. And then for some reason I found his strength. My legs was my Achilles you was flared fresh. up. I you I, did I don't not know, look tired. I know was like how I just this started guy booking so I started booking yeah. it. I saw that I'm like, okay, get to it right now as fast uh-huh. as you can. And I looked at my split later on my Garmin it was seven oh seven pace at that point. <laughs> from running twelve miles in a minute right. mile to seven oh seven. That's great. Yeah, man. for the last push.
1: And how long had you hatched the plot to pop the question at the finish line?
0: I wanted to do it as soon as I started talking, thanking everybody and the sponsor everybody for just being there making this very special. So I told Robbie, as soon as I said, hey, Robbie, that's when he, Robbie was, had the ring. Oh, he did. So I said, was hey, the ring bearer. Yeah, so I said, hey, Robbie, he just grabbed it. And he actually gave it to a, a friend of our Lex, which uh, she hosted Robbie in New Jersey, mm. his last day. And she had in her um, running backpack, her running vest, um, hydration vest. And then Robbie grabbed it from her. And then I said, hey, Robbie, Robbie handed it to me. And then I went for it. Yeah, Yeah. she was surprised. Yeah, she was super, she had no idea. And actually I was like- But how did you hide the ring
1: beforehand? So she didn't find it for so the
0: whole adventure. I didn't even have the ring with me. Oh, I, did, I, it, I had the ring. In New Jersey your friend get it or no, something? I was trying to figure out how I was gonna do this. And I called my guardian who came to see me a few days before I said, I was just letting you guys know I'm gonna propose to Lex, and just want to let you guys know ahead of time since I won't see you before. And then um, he goes, "Do you have a ring?" I was like, "No." He goes, "All right." He drove to a jeweler, and Facetime me and said, "Hey, can you pick one?" I said, "Well, I wanted to be unique." Um, and so we did a deal with a jeweler where we can pick the ring now. If she doesn't like it or this, the fitting is not right, we can go and f- fix it. Mm. So just to have a ring, it was either that or I was gonna ask her mom for her grandmother's ring, who had passed, if she had one in person. So I wanted to ask everybody. I didn't even ask the mother yet till the day before that I'm gonna propose. I asked her father the morning, of, cause I didn't see him until then. So she saw me talking to these people, like close people like her. I didn't want her to be like, why is hella doing that? So I would take my GoPro and say, well, I wanna interview people. I interviewed her best friend, but I told her best friend while I was doing the interview. Mm. And then, so for her to even fall for the interview thing, I called her over, now nah, I'm time for, to interview you now. So I interviewed her too. So she was like, oh, he's just interviewing everybody. But I was telling people that I'm gonna propose. So they're there at the finish line, wow. yeah. So that's how I had to set up. How long have you guys been together? Nine years this past oh, wow. uh, June 11th, mm-hmm. it was nine years. I met her at UMass and college, UMass Amherst. Oh, you guys way yeah. back. Yeah, nine wow. years ago. Wow. Yeah, it's been quick. It, it flew by too, really yeah. fast. That was the fastest nine years. That was the biggest party. Yeah,
1: finish line that was for just, a run across America. I don't I even think that ever was. Yeah,
0: it. Jim Shark really went all out for that yeah. to get that and then yeah. getting a permit for the road for us to get the finish line on, and it was just really fun. And it was even more exciting to have Casey Neistat there and to have it's like cool. Robbie to have just everybody that. How did really, that come together? Okay, so Jim asked me actually, "Hello, who do you want at the start of your run across the country?" I said, "Rich Roll, Casey Neistat." You two came. I didn't know, nobody told me. I'm shocked actually, because they asked me, they say, hello, is there anybody important that you really look up to you want at your start? You two were the first in my head immediately. There's no no doubt. I had no idea. I knew Robbie was gonna. I
1: would have joined you for the beginning. Yeah,
0: I knew Robbie would have came. Robbie was, I talked to Robbie. Robbie said, hey, I'm there for you as a friend. I'm gonna be there for you. So I know he was doing his thing. Eventually I was gonna meet Robbie somewhere or even if it's the finish. So they asked me and I said, you two immediately, many times in many meetings, we had Zoom meetings. And so I thought I hope there, there no weren't r- emails that came in that I didn't see or didn't pay attention to. Now I feel bad. And no, it's alright because I'm sitting here now with <laughs> you. <laughs> but I mentioned you two, and then the same thing. And not, not, none of that could happen in the beginning. I didn't see either of you. So, but in the finish, as I'm finishing, I, I was asked again, "Who do you want at the finish line?" I said, "Rachel and Casey." And those are some of the people did, I said. I definitely didn't know about that. But I completely yeah. forgot about it. Like I, to a point I was just so consumed, just get home. Mm. And then I see Casey and the next morning. I'm like, whoa, Casey's actually here. I, but I had no idea he was gonna show up. So to me too, they were just asking me if, if I can have somebody, maybe they'll try. I thought it was gonna be like how it happened in the beginning. And I knew you guys were busy. It was just that to me, when they asked me, who, who do you think, who would you, if you can pick yeah. anybody? That's my answer was you too. Yeah.
1: Well, I can tell you that when I was watching it unfold on Instagram, I was like, why am I not there? I was like, I had. Huge FOMO. Yeah. It's
0: like I should be there. Everyone's oh. there. This looks like so much fun. I can't. Maybe I should have tried to reach home, out to you. you know? <laughs> I should have DM you and say, "Hey, yeah. Rich, can you come out too?" Well,
1: you're here now. Man. Yeah, you're here now. Yeah. Um, I feel like you should also go to Molly and take a victory lap. they would probably throw you a parade there. I definitely would want to do that. I was, yeah. I'm
0: thinking like around end of the year, December, go that to Molly. Cool. Yeah, you could make an amazing yeah. video out of that. Yeah, too. I'm looking forward to going mm-hmm. back home because I haven't been there since 2018. Mm-hmm. So it's been a uh, you would sometime. also. To be
1: cool to do a video with Buddy and track like the money that you raised and yeah and, and kind of help tell the Souls for Souls story and maybe see wow. what kind you of impact some is ideas. being made in Molly. You know Wow you just, would be cool. Just gave me a great idea. Yeah man. Yeah. You're a content creator now. Yeah. Full there time you go. full stop. Yeah,
0: that is it. Yeah. There's no way back. <laughs> There's no turning around. Just yeah. going at it. Yeah. From now
1: on. Well before I let you go, I think it would be good to kind of pivot a little bit to talk about have a change and staying motivated. You know, what you've done is so inspirational. And I feel like you do such a good job at communicating these ideas in a relatable way. So for the people that are watching or listening who are feeling inspired and know they need to get off the couch and do something, it doesn't necessarily have to be a run streak, but perhaps you know are in the process of, of rethinking their relationship to their body and their selves and, and the trajectory that they're on in life. Like, yeah. how do you speak to that person?
0: I always say do something that's pressure free and do something that's attainable. Those are the biggest factor for me. And pressure free meaning don't do it because someone else is doing it. Do it because you wanna do it and do it on your own timing. Don't feel like you gotta get it done. If it's a, a, a goal, whatever, you don't have to get it done in 10 days. If you need a month, a month is okay. So just do it pressure free. Cause because of that, I fell in love with running. I never thought there was no chance and now I get excited to run. And I know running is tough, it's, it has its brutal days, but like, I'm still excited to go at it. So do you it. You don't feel the pressure of maintaining the streak. Nope, zero pressure. And I and I always say this too, this is how I feel about it. The day that I feel like it becomes more of a pressure and I'm not liking it, I'm gonna stop, I'll stop. And then I don't know when that day Give yourself that yeah. permission. Yeah, And and I know, I'll find something else. I'll find something else. So I know I don't have to go run to keep a streak going, but I just do it because it feels good. I enjoy it and I wanna keep sharing it. So pressure-free do it, uh, something that's attainable. And just think about even spending five minutes a day goes a long way. If it's something you love already, or you're thinking about, you've been thinking about, that's all the signs to start doing it. Mm-hmm. So if that means just spend five minutes a day, it's, it's about volume, five minutes a day for seven days a week, is gonna add up. But if you just do it today and you take a few days off, That's not it. If you can do 10 minutes a day, that's also 10 minutes you can at least find out of your day if it's important enough to you. So as long as you wanna do it and just pressure free and get after it and don't think about anybody, even don't compare, even if it's running, don't compare yourself to these people who are doing hundreds of miles, these fast pace or these whatever, everybody has their own process, their own journey. And if that's the goal, you'll get there just one day at a time, that's it. I love it, man. Yeah, one day at a time. What about somebody who's stuck in a job
1: that they feel like isn't heading in the right direction. Like yeah. you've done this pivot, yeah. you've reinvented yourself from one career to the next. How do you think about you know, outside of running or fitness, mm-hmm. making those kinds of pivots?
0: Yeah, so there's two ways that I think that may work that kind of work for me. So when I was starting the run streak, I was actually working nine to five and so- Just a, like a- A normal job. job I was, I was at a, 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 I was working at a place called Airbrook. It was a limousine company. Mm. I was data entry because I used data, but it was a, a rental ah. a, a car. So I was there literally. So training, I started training people aside soccer speed and agility and soccer technique. And I was seeing that that's not guaranteed. I know the 40 whatever hours a week money is guaranteed, but that one is client canceling you that week you might not get money. But what I started looking at, um, Doing those hours, I said, you know what? Sometimes you do a little bit that you don't wanna do just to support your dreams, but making sure you're good with it mentally. If, you're, you don't, if it's not working for you mentally, you gotta leave that environment. So I literally told myself, this is for now. And now you see that you're not really, this is not good for you mentally, because I really didn't like it. Mm. And I said, leap of faith, quit the job, focus your energy on the soccer training. And I quit the job. And that actually the business literally doubled after I put my energy into it, when, when I was scared of it. So it's one of those things when you're stuck in a bubble right now, I would say just the leap of faith. If you feel like you're stuck in a bubble, that's telling you everything already. If you believe in God or the the universe, if you feel like you're stuck, that's the sign for you to make that move. And it may be scary. And when I did that, I was very scared because I'm thinking that training is not guaranteed, but mm-hmm. the nine to five was guaranteed a weekly money that I was getting. but if you take the leap of faith, that's when you discover other things. And then when you know, again, when you get put in an uncomfortable situation, you'll find a way out. It might be brutal or whatever, you'll find that next thing that's gonna help you sustain the life that you wanna live. So just, just take a leap of faith. I think that's what it is. We're f- afraid to fail, be okay to fail because it's not even failing, it's just a part of just progressing and learning. So I don't even see failure as failure anymore. It's just that, oh, now I know what to do better. Yeah. I know what not to do. So I hate the word failure. Yeah, just take that leap of faith. in It's and, and more about
1: having the courage to try.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. And it's the courage, actually, that's the perfect word because I had to have the courage to say, you know what? I need to just stop this and go do the training. And I was running on the side. And also when something is not working for you, Belle said this to me, she said to me, she said, Sometimes you are really stuck into something, you want it so bad, it's not working out, but you have no idea it's preparing you for something better. I think that was perfectly for my story. I wanted soccer so bad, I keep holding on to it so tight, and I didn't want to let go, but it was actually preparing me for what I'm doing right now.
1: Mm. Well, often when you're holding on too tightly, you're myopic to the greater opportunity. You can't see it because you're stuck in a certain kind of pattern. And there is a mystical power to that idea of the leap of faith, because if you have one foot in one world and one foot in the next world, you're signaling to the universe that you're not ready for whatever the next thing is, because you're holding on to some uh, illusion of security that that current situation or that exact idea um, represents for you, yes and it 's only in the in the let going of it that you provide the space for the new thing to come in, yeah, and you don 't know how capable or resilient you are until you are sort of you know chartering treacherous waters and your back is up against the wall Continue. and it 's in that being tested that I think you allow yourself to come into, you know, a greater capacity exactly. for
0: potential. Can you write another book? <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> yeah. That was so, that's <laughs> literally That's literally it. That's literally perfectly said. Honestly, that's- It's hard though, man, yeah.
1: you know? And you gotta I look at you and I'm like, I'm so much older than you. I'm like, you're so young, who cares?
0: Like, you know, take the risk. You're do super it. young like, what too. You, what do
1: you got to lose, man? You're you can, super you can young. You go back to work, <laughs> work at
0: the limousine company. Yeah, exactly, worst case scenario. and. Also, I, I like to this thinking mentality. I used to think, oh, plan B. And I'm like, no, there's no plan B. There's only plan A for me. So plan A means if, if I'm planning to, to do something and it's not working, it doesn't mean I'm gonna quit to go to, I'm not reverting to another one. I'm just gonna reroute. Because if you have a fallback, now you're kind of like, not going all out for that one thing you want. You're thinking, oh, if it doesn't work, there's this thing also. But if you just say, I'm gonna make it work. If, if, it, if plan A doesn't work, just reroute. Take a, a different route. Yeah. And I, even the GPS thing, I'm, I don't know if you've heard of this, but I've heard this somewhere. I don't know who has said it. If you're going somewhere, you're on a highway, you miss the exit, guess what the GPS does? It doesn't quit on you, it reroutes. It right. might take you in a longer direction, but it reroutes. So if plan A isn't working, it doesn't mean it's not gonna work, just reroute. There's maybe another loophole that yeah. you gotta find to make it happen. So thinking also worst case scenario, you'll find something will come, you'll survive. And that's everybody I speak to, and even reading books, um, even the likes of yourself, you can see this thing that you know, that everything that you guys have did not come overnight. You worked on it, how you change your lifestyle, mm-hmm. but people see what you're able to do right now. is very amazing, it's very awe. Oh, but do they realize you had to go through so much? You had to literally go through all these process to get to where you're at. So we always have to think that we see everybody on top of what they're doing right now and it's amazing, but they had to start somewhere. So it's okay if, I'm still trying to figure it out to this day.
1: Yeah, in A, they call it, you can't translate something you haven't got. Like yeah. You have to burn in the fire, right? You have yeah. to emerge from some experience, whether it be a hardship or whatever, yeah. to carry a certain resonance that magnetizes other people. So, yeah. when I look at you, your story, what you've accomplished, um, I appreciate that it didn't happen overnight. Thank I mean, you. You've yeah. been doing me this for 1,500 days of running in a row. Like yeah. you put in a lot of work uh-huh. and you strike me as somebody who's very self actualized or integrated. Like I don't know whether you've been to therapy, but you, you, whatever demons you may or may not have, like yeah. you've dealt with them. Yeah. And you're able to you know, stand in your strength in a certain way. Thank you. And there's something about the positivity that flows outward from you that isn't just a guiding force for yourself. It's very attractive to other people. I people appreciate see that, that. Thank you. a lot of people have run across the country, yeah. right? But there's something about your experience doing it and the way that you shared it and the spirit with which you carried yourself throughout this experience that make people wanna know more. They wanna yeah. know more about you and that attracts Casey to your front yard yeah. or all these things that are coming to you. Thank you. And that doesn't happen by happenstance. That happens because you've put in a tremendous amount of work and you're very intentional in the way that you're, you know, approaching these things. Yeah. And it's very commendable the way I that, appreciate you, like, it. that I think, I mean, it's cool that you ran across the country. Yeah. It's cool that you've run, you know, 1500 days in a row but when i look at you like i want to sit down across from you because i just like your spirit and your thank soul thank you so and much you're all
0: about. I, that means yeah. a lot yeah and thank i think you. that there's
1: so much more that you're going to yeah. be contributing and offering to the i world.
0: appreciate that it's the same thing like wait i'm coming here to talk to ritual <laughs> no. and let me tell you i am pretty sure you know how big um, you've impacted so many people especially plant based across the world but people saw my shreva location everybody's like ritual Oh, cause you ran oh, yeah. cause from Strava today. People know, oh, right, right, people right, are right. very oh, very oh, cool. attentive. And <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, wait, this is some detective stuff. I didn't say anything. I didn't mention anything. And in fact, I'm like, I'm in LA. I'll let you guys know why I'm here if I can or not. But, yeah. um, but not even the people that are so impacted by what you've done is just incredible. Even my neighbor, when I told him he's jaw dropped, he said, there's no way, he said, Dang it. He said, someone borrowed my book that <laughs> oh. I want to give it to you so he can sign it and bring it back. He was telling me all this stuff because they have changed their lifestyle. They are going plan-based because of you. Mm. They are seeing what they're able to do and they are seeing that it's not too late. And that all comes from what you've done and showing and prove it to people that you could do amazing things with what you put in your body and push yourself as a runner on top of that. I appreciate so, that, man. Thank it's you.
1: Because we're just here, we do our thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, I. I know there's people listening and watching and stuff like that, but you know it's it it's, it means something to me that you would yeah. say that. So
0: much love to those people. Yeah, and those are all factual. It's just yeah. how it is, you see it all over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very excited to uh to to let people know I'm in this presence because this is incredible. Thank you.
1: What uh what beyond Leadville is on the like? What are you thinking about in terms of the next?
0: Yeah. I definitely want to run in every continent. I don't know when or how I'm gonna make it happen. Continent or country? Uh, continent. Con- every, every continent right now. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the countries after that, because I've been yeah. in the North American continent for most of the majority of the time in the United States. But if I can run in every continent, which that means to run a marathon every continent, which if it means to meet the hell of good family members, the people who've been supportive and just run with them, I think that'd be pretty cool. That's cool. And just, and then I wanna do a hundred mile race. I said, not just mm. to go, run hundred miles with myself just to be actually in a high altitude. Cause I can go run hundred miles in the area I'm at, but I wanna actually Leadville when I- yeah, There's altitude yeah.
1: and then there's Leadville. Exactly. It's a totally different a t- thing. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So I, when I wanna do Leadville I wanna dedicate my energy now into being trained well for it. I don't wanna just show, oh, I run every day. Let me go do it. No, it doesn't work like that. So I wanna like take time off and maybe live in, in that area for a couple months just to get my body ready. And training around that area and that altitude, and then be ready for the race. So maybe we're looking at 2022. Yeah. Yeah, because my legs are, uh, I have the, the pace I've been running at, I can go 20, 30, 40 miles. But when I try to pick up the pace to so a certain pace that I wanna just cruise in, it feels like there's like brick ties to both legs. Yeah. It won't pick up.
1: Well, so your I'll, training has acclimated you to maintain a certain pace yeah. for an extended period of time, but you never extend yourself past that aerobic threshold. So uh, you uh, have no anaerobic yeah. power at for, all. For that, right? yeah, and it goes from like 140, you know, beats a minute yeah. at like you know seven minute pace or yeah. whatever it is
0: but then you go just a little bit over that, you completely fall
1: apart. Yeah, I completely
0: fall apart. (laughs) So I'm like, I can't wait to get that strength back. And I'm kind of like in between where like, man, the ultra, I have so much like fascination about ultra runners and what they do. It's a complete different part of running that I really didn't understand until I did the transcontinental and I'm like, do I want to just be a long distance runner, or I want to be ultra runner? I'm like, I want to run ultras. I want to. Well, you are an ultra runner. Yeah. You know that, right? it, it, yes, you just that ran is true. Yes, <laughs>
1: that is so true. That is like true. This idea it, that
0: you're not an ultra runner is. Thank preposterous. you. <laughs> it, it makes you, I guess, do more ultra <laughs> running, and instead of like coming back to just my mm-hmm. regular running, like I want to do more ultra distance. I want to do races that are just, but I, I want to have a reason behind it. For me, if there's a reason behind it, I, I want to dig harder because I don't want to do it for myself because. Mm-hmm. I love what I'm doing, but also if I want to get comfortable with the uh, with the uncomfortable, yeah. I want to have a reason to to hold on no matter what, no matter the circumstances. Yeah. So,
1: are you gonna keep doing it with Souls for Souls?
0: I, I think I'm gonna keep doing, yeah. And then I'll and my goal actually truly is to to be able to just help any nonprofit. And Souls for Souls was my number one. And if I can keep helping mm-hmm. whatever I do and that goes to them or anywhere else, I yeah. would. You've done some do stuff
1: it. for Charity Water too. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, that was really the the cool story about that is I just put it on YouTube. I said, my goal in life is to just do things for a nonprofit and just help because a lot of people have helped me in my life. I've had so many hand, helping hands and I wanna give back. And Charity Water saw that YouTube video and they reached out and they said, in fact, this campaign we're doing is for Mali, your country. And guess what? Oh, wow. It was the village where my mom grew up. Get out. Yeah. It was. It literally worked out perfectly, and that's the village we would have left in '97 when, with my mom's sister, where she passed away. So I lived there, and they said we're trying to get. uh, And there was no water water. there. Trying to get water to 25,000. I called them mom. Guess what? Guess what? I'm trying to raise money to give 25,000 people clean water in Sikasso, which is the a region in Mali. It's one of the regions, and that's where you grew up, and literally her hometown. And I was like, I'm all for it. And it was really cool to be able to be part of something special to help people get water. But it kind of really, it really did hit home. Mm. It was like my Have mom's built home. built that well yet? I don't know if they, cause COVID you was gotta, happening, but we, mean, I, I wanna be there. I don't need to tell you, right.
1: you're a content creator. I don't need yeah. to tell you this, but you need to go to Mali yeah. and film the, if they haven't built it yeah. yet, you need I to be there when be they, in when touch they with unveil them. it. Yeah. yeah,
0: but we ended up doing enough to give more than 25,000 people That's clean great. water. and then my community raised a lot of money. My goal is just to raise a thousand dollars. We raised so much more than that. That's cool. And I couldn't believe it. So I think all the supporters for um, donating to that cause, which that was my first biggest. Have you
1: met Scott Harrison?
0: Uh, no. From church,
1: he's, a, he's the founder
0: and the guy that- I haven't met him. Yeah, yeah. I you, you yeah, yeah, saw his he's stories great. and you, what he did, how he has right. to change his lifestyle too. It's unbelievable. So it's, it's
1: super inspirational. Yeah,
0: it really is. And it really, it makes you, think that whenever we think it's too late right now, we can change everything. Yeah. You just gotta stop. His course today. correct
1: is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Being in this wild partying. Yeah, and all that, what he used to do. To becoming this unbelievable public servant. Yeah, And just not just creating this incredible nonprofit, mm-hmm. but really reinventing and reimagining yeah. what giving looks like by yeah. making it aspirational. Yes. Like the brand of charity water Damn. is just cool. And, it just and it's
0: just water. awesome what yeah, they for do. For people to have I clean know. water. Like and we the all,
1: impact is unbelievable. Yeah,
0: and it literally get water having a well for mm-hmm. forever. Yeah, it's just because Mali, there's certain areas that still don't have water. And then I told my dad, of course, my dad's like, hello, can you do my village too? I said, yeah. dad, I thought you didn't want me to run. I'm using running to to, uh, to bring awareness to, uh-huh. to places. That was the joke I was joking yeah. with him, yeah. You build a well in the <laughs> village. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. just
1: blowing his mind.
0: Yeah, he was like, what? And he said, you did that for mom's um, village? I, I said, it wasn't only me. It took a whole crowd of my followers to, to donate and things village. like that, yeah. It took a village to, to build another mm-hmm. village yeah. and he, he couldn't believe it. So he was like um, reading the articles wow. and stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah, that was a proud moment to, to be able to do that. And also it all comes down to again, an ability that not everyone has is to run. So I'm glad I could use my ability and having an audience that could participate in something like that. And anybody can say, in my life, I've helped to a cause. The people who don't, you, you change someone's life that you don't even know, you'll never meet or hear of but you've changed the life forever, Mm -hmm. so.
1: And wedding that thing that you love to service in a meaningful way is the real differentiator. There's nothing like it. It gives your own life
0: such depth. Yeah, and purpose. And purpose. Yeah, and uh, purpose too. I always tell people don't think that if you're not a big celebrity, you don't have a major platform that you don't have a purpose. I think we're all here for a reason. We all have a purpose. And your purpose could even be just saying something nice to someone and you have no idea what they were dealing with. And they go home, they change their whole outlook or their whole energy and life. And you just save their life. And You have no idea that you fulfill your purpose. So just because you're not uh, on tabloids or you're not on social media with big followings, or you're not getting articles written about you does not mean you don't have a purpose. We're all here for a reason. And we just have to, to keep doing what we love, and then you're fulfilling your purpose without even knowing. So yeah,
1: yeah. I believe that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who said it, but somebody said there's two parts to your life. The first part of your life is trying to figure out what that purpose yeah, purpose is. The purposes, yeah, and the second part is fulfilling that purpose yeah. or doing that thing. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 And you're doing it, man. Thank you. Thank and you. And it's only just begun. Yeah, I'm excited for you're the future. You're a young man with a bright thank, future. Thank you. Uh, I love you. I'm here to support you in any Likewise. way. Like, like. Thank you so much. Um, I love everything that you're doing. I'm just delighted that you took the time to come. Thank you for having me. I was, there's no doubt about fun. it, that I
0: was not going to be yeah. here. Yeah, when I heard it. Thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome. Uh, if you want to hook up with Hella, best place to do that is online. Yeah. On his YouTube channel.
0: Hella yeah. good. Hella good on YouTube. Hella good not on Instagram. And, same thing on Twitter, I'm not very active on Twitter, but yeah, those platforms. I'm most active on Instagram and YouTube, mm-hmm. yeah. hello good nine. Yeah, hello good nine on Instagram. And
1: are you still raising money for Souls for Souls? Yeah,
0: I'm still raising money for Souls for Souls and collecting shoes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's something that I don't even have to stop. I could just keep going. Of if, course, wherever right. Can. Yeah, because So, I'll
1: link up in the show notes, all of those accounts, of course, but also the link for people who wanna contribute to yeah. Souls for Souls and also the Charity Water link yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, which would be cool. Yes.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah.
1: All right, man. Come and talk to me again sometime.
0: Definitely I'm will. I'm coming
1: out to New York soon, too. Yes. Will you come into the city and go running with me?
0: Let me know I'm there. All I'm right, literally yeah. like minutes away from New York City. All right. As long on. as you let me know, I'm, I'm coming over. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Peace. Thank you. Plants.
1: And finally, for podcast updates, special offers on books, The Meal Planner, and other subjects, please subscribe to our newsletter, which you can find on the footer of any page at richroll.com. Today's show was produced and engineered by Jason Camiolo with additional audio engineering by Kale Curtis. The video edition of the podcast was created by Blake Curtis with assistance by our creative director, Dan Drake. Portraits by Davey Greenberg, graphic and social media assets courtesy of Daniel Solis, Dan Drake, and A.J. Akpodiete. Thank you, Georgia Whaley, for copywriting and website management. And of course, our theme music was created by Tyler Pyatt, Trapper Pyatt, and Harry Mathis. Appreciate the love, love the support. See you back here soon. Peace. Plants. Namaste.